go. All right. I must say, Abe, I don't appreciate this new t-shirt rotation. What are you talking about? This is fucking this me is... up, man. <laughs> this, is... this was one from a uh, cornhole league. Came in second place. Proud day, I'm sure. <laughs> Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with just one host remaining who has not yet fallen to the vicious COVID-19 coronavirus. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori is not here, too. Whoa. Get to that in a second. Tonight is Monday, March 20th, 2023. Close listeners of the show will have noticed last week that Lori was complaining about feeling sick and she just took off halfway through the episode, or what ended up being halfway through the episode. While she was here, it was like 90% of the way through the episode. I was basically done talking. And then Lori yeah. left, giving me great license to continue talking for as long as I wanted to. And that's what I did. Uh, but Lori, as it turns out, didn't just have a cold. Lori all along had the coronavirus, Abe. Oh, no. And uh, she's on, I think it's day six on the CDC infection calendar or whatever. This would right. have been day six for her. Day six? I mean, if she... What is, what is the official first day? She didn't actually test positive and she had a negative test on monday a negative test on tuesday and then finally on wednesday morning she tested positive now obviously she had it right the whole time it just wasn't showing up on a test and in fact her worst day i think was tuesday as far as just feeling bad her worst day was tuesday and then Wednesday, she was already a little bit better than that. And then I think by the time she was waking up on like Friday and Saturday, she was basically fine. So she's uh, back to normal? Is she still She's back to normal. Testing? She went to work today for the first okay. – she left work on Wednesday and then didn't work until until this morning. And uh, that that is in keeping with the CDC guidelines for people who have become infected now. It's It's down to isolate for five days. And then you may return That's... to life with a mask on, and then you're supposed to stay masked and sort of try to keep your distance for a minimum of 10 days. And then once you test negative, then you should be fine. So testing still plays a role after the 10th day? Sort so... of, but not really, I think. like Because apparently some people will just continue to test positive, even though they seem to be totally fine. I don't know. I've read the stupid the two different CDC sites like a hundred times in the past week trying to figure out what day we're on and when we're supposed to reintegrate and when we can expect to catch the goddamn thing uh, at this point because according to most of what I understand about this, I am now – me the kids and I are now in the prime window for developing symptoms and falling ill with the virus as you get to that five or six-day period in your 10 days post-exposure because, of course, our, our last 
exposure. This is obviously very boring for everyone else in the world. <laughs> but this is now three full years into this, and it's the first time that we've come into direct contact with this. We'd never had even a close exposure to worry about in the last three years as far as our nuclear family is concerned. Right. Like we were so relatively isolated and our the family down the street that we sort of bunkered with for that first year was so incredibly isolated that we just never even once had a close exposure. And uh, obviously none of us have had it up to this point, except now Lori has had it. And so to me, it's like sort of living with it for the first time. And so it is sort of interesting, but uh, our, our day one would have been not until Thursday because we saw Lori on Wednesday, although it wasn't much of a, like it could have gone either way. Our day one could have been Wednesday or Thursday. Right. It's sort of hard right. to say. So like we are either on day six or five or so of our exposure calendar. And I fully expect to get it. Like she was here. We were in this room on Monday. Right. Obviously I, you know, I was doing the thing like you're not supposed to do, which is talk in a closed area with someone. Right. And of course, like, you know, we, we're married. We sleep in the same bed. Like it's right. obviously it's a, a full on exposure. I have so far been testing basically every other day and I've been asymptomatic and negative. I'm not feeling great right now, but that could be oh, any number maybe. of things. I, yeah. yeah. I did the big brag at the start of the show because I recognize that I will probably next Monday be talking about how I did in fact end up with this stupid virus. Uh, but I woke up this morning and, uh, being old now, like, you know, 40 or so, I mean, not that yeah. this isn't just the domain of being 40 cause this has happened to me before, but I slept funny on the neck on the, like the back. And like, it's one of those things where I have to move my whole body to move my line of vision around because my neck just has basically no mobility right now. And so yeah. that. That started this morning, and then it, it does that thing where because you're holding your body in such a weird way and, like, you sort of forget that – because it's like this thing where, like, yes, there's this weird sort of muscle spasm or whatever the fuck it is that's going on in there. But then the whole rest of your neck and your back starts trying to compensate for that, and, like, right. it stiffens just the entire fucking thing. And, like, unless you actively think about it and try to relax all of those muscles, then everything just builds and builds and builds and get worse. And, of course, I'm sitting in front of the computer for three hours this morning working on a blog, and, like, I realized an hour and a half into it, like, I had just gone completely stiff as a board from basically head to toe. Like trying to somehow compensate for the pain in my neck and it just made everything worse. And I just laid out flat on the ground for half an hour trying to get feeling back into my body. I don't know uh, which new variant that we're on now, but it would be uh, amusing if, if that was not like a sleeping issue, but like yet one more random symptom of the new Right. Wave of no, COVID? I smell. Like I could smell my dinner just fine. I just had this <laughs> incredible crick in the neck. It wouldn't let me do anything all day. Yeah, but that's crazy. Yeah, you're right. It's like three years on. I mean, literally, when that Gobert, that Goober basketball player who was touching the mics and the right. NBA canceled the season, and everything kind of like stopped. Was like around middle of March, like around now, like so three years on. I had my very brief stint with a little virus like in december of that same year and the way that they you know it sounds similar to what what the current time frame is but it wasn't five five like five isolate and then five you can be out there but mask it was basically like 10 days right isolate and 
but they went back to the onset onset of symptoms, not like when you test positive, right? So right. they did the count from that. By the time I got the positive test, I was already five days in. So I just needed five more days. And on the ninth day, I they said that you, you don't actually need to test out, but I just did just to be safe. And on the ninth day, it was negative. It was like perfectly, nice. like the most ideal thing. Yeah, Lori is still testing positive, even though she feels fine. So presumably, and so that that, means- and that's a crapshoot, right? Like there's nothing. It didn't. There's no rhyme or reason as to why people test positive right. for like beyond that. Window. Right, and we've been incredibly lucky because Lori's mother, who probably is listening, uh, has a house in town that she is not in most of the time for uh, long story number of reasons that we don't have to get into without Lori here because Lori's the one who's allowed to be uh, amusingly derisive about that fact not not me the son-in-law so uh, we'll leave that alone for now but thankfully uh, we have this whole other normal sized human house right down the street and so when Lori tested positive rather than have us all mask up and try to keep her like in the basement or in a spare bedroom or something and this sort of risk further exposure, you know, in the unlikely event that somehow the kids and I have escaped exposure to this or at least escape infection. It's nice that we had this option where Lori just went and stayed at that house and she's still there now. She'll come home, I think, probably tomorrow night because either I'll have it or I won't at that point. And she's going to be basically done spreading virus at that point anyway. So the the situation couldn't be better in terms of having to deal with this. It just undeniably sucks to have to deal with this. Right. And my my greatest fear at the moment is that the kids at the school this week on Friday, we have our uh, annual PTA fundraiser. It's a silent auction and bingo night, which they are like really excited for because they haven't done it since Calvin's first year there because of the stupid coronavirus and this is our chance to do it again and they're very excited and I just know I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling like shit or I'm going to wake up the next day feeling like shit and I'm going to have to break their hearts over this stupid (laughs) bingo night but anyway here we are I'll not be surprised to find out that I'm singing a different tune a week from tonight but for now, as of a uh, five o'clock test this afternoon, I'm still showing up negative. Did you, uh, did you have anything fun to do this weekend, Abe? So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're gonna poo-poo this, but I, I went to a 40th birthday party get together. Yeah. <laughs> Very important, as Abe might say, to continue to celebrate people's birthday. Of course, I, again, I. I now feel like an asshole for saying this since you – probably the biggest birthday celebration I've had since I was a small child was you showing up uh, oh, to surprise right, yeah. me on yeah. my 40th birthday. So yeah. nothing Fun I can times. say. Yeah. So uh, this was a planned event. You know, the, the actual birthday was like a couple of weeks ago, but this was like middle of March, Saturday. The weather should be decent, although it's a little chilly. But this was one of these planned events. Like, hey, you know, the, the wife – of the guy as uh, whose birthday it was sent out feelers to all the friends and family within the orbit to say this is going to happen on this day at this time can you make it and based on the responses you know you plan around that right, right. and and uh right you're just trying so, to get a general like are we talking about 10 people or are we talking right. about 40 people kind of thing and yeah, yeah so the, the about 35 to 40 people wow. confirm wow yes, right 
So that means you have to feed somehow. This must be quite a human being we're celebrating. <laughs> he had 40 <laughs> fucking adults to show up well, you and know, celebrate his life. Uh, here's what uh, I realize multiplies the numbers when you're 40 or you're like above, thir- you know, above college age. You know, you're Partners, an adult. kids. Kids and, and also church. Boy, the church people mm. show up. Ah, oh, that's everybody that I didn't know. I was like, I assume this is some sort of church person. I've never seen this person before. They must be from some church uh, that they go to that I'm not familiar with. Um, Every once in a while on a Sunday, I'm walking around our neighborhood, and there will be in a different spot because it's because it's, it's not consistent. It's like every few months. I'm pretty sure somebody's having some sort of a church group gathering, like a post church. Like we just gather like a at, at one of our parishioners' houses, like right. just as a, a social thing. And I walk by him with a dog, and I just just want to hit all the stupid tires. <laughs> That's a personal problem, though, with the, with the religious they people. You? Uh... Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Your friend's so, birthday party. Yeah, so there's the commitment, and then there's food that's ordered to meet the need, right? Naturally, and yeah. the day of, I don't know if it was because it was like 10 degrees colder than it typically is, you know, or whatever. This is all indoors. I don't know whether that would play a role. Uh, but like a good number did not show. So there was so much food there, which is, I, I thought, a little odd. Like, you know, why not just say no? Like, are people just like, they just can't say no, and they'll instead lie and say yes and just don't show. It just seemed odd to me. That was like the one weird thing where there was like so much food to eat uh, because there was an expectation that could what be was food. That? I think what what about, sort of food are we talking here? Like good like catered stuff? Or yeah, yeah, like from some uh, Italian place, and there was like some like chicken stuff, uh, like finger food like from uh, Chick-fil-A for the so kiddos. you get like and, a fridge know. full now or what? Did you get to bring home a couple platters? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I just never take food from other – Just I'll just eat it when I'm there. I just don't yeah. want to take the food. But – other don't than want, that, don't want it your was sweet potatoes to go bad this week in the event that you know. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna you know there's a process. I don't want to disrupt my system, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's great. Uh, it's good uh, seeing the people. Some of the people, I mean, like three or four people from the the Biffler were were there, and then a bunch of other people. It's a good time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Those Biffler people, man. I, I listen to the podcast. I write like a thousand word essay in response to it. <laughs> And then I get a, a single line back from the, the Biffler email. It's just like, oh, yeah, Abe did the timestamps for the episode. That's good. That was, that was the full amount of response. That's good stuff. I mean, you know, uh, Simon was uh, enjoyed yeah. it very much. Uh, but, you know, going back to the, 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 the Saturday birthday thing, you know, this is March Madness. And so on the t- you know, just in the background, there was a game on a bunch of just, you know, March Madness, shitty basketball. But if there's a lot of shitty basketball, it gives the impression that it's exciting, you know, like because like you could just watch something else when something sucks. Right. Uh, we were watching in particular the uh, Arkansas-Kansas game, which was pretty decent. It was like a one-point game, 72-71. Arkansas wins the Razorbacks and their head coach, you know, being very happy to beat a one seed. He is in front of his crowd and he takes his shirt off and he does like that stupid pig suey, stupid little dance that they do, the the Arkansas Razorbacks do. And I was just thinking like, are I'm going to take my shirt off guy made or create, like, are they born that way? Or are they like, is it like an environment or 
just born that way? Like, are those a people... significant percentage of them are born that way? Lori would have uh, major opinions on this question. I think okay. I've never I've never been a shirts off kind of guy my entire life. Just not neither born nor made that way. And I think that if I I've, and I've always thought this about myself, even if like and obviously you don't know because you know this is a lifetime now of. Uh, I mean, how would the the privileged talkers put it? Like, I have been I have been beaten down by uh, like body normativity and uh, and male beauty standards over the course of my entire life, right? Like that, right. the Western uh, skinny aesthetic has been uh, internalized by me, and my shame is great. Uh, but I've always thought that, like, even if I got like fucking ripped, and I actually I used to have friends loosely defined, I suppose, with the story I'm about to tell, but. I have these friends who used to laugh uproariously just at the thought of me being a like really ripped buff guy, like to that, like in the same way that I find adults doing karate hilarious. These guys would just say, like Chris Mantel or Sean, Sean Crowley, these two guys would just say, "Can you imagine? Wait, wait, wait. Can you imagine? Wait, wait, wait. Imagine Bob." But ripped, and they would they would just lose their shit laughing about it as though it were the funniest thing, uh, which is reasonable. Like I've never been the guy who's just who's gonna be a, a muslehead type you of person. You can be obviously. yoked, Bob. Like that'd be funny. It's just not coming. Day. It doesn't matter. I, I exercise fucking an hour a day forever. It's not gonna happen. It's fine. I enjoy eating carbs too much and like whatever it is. Like, but that's that, not. The dividing line, right? I mean, people that are uh, other, you know, fit, let's say, that that's not like the decision making part, right? Like, I either will look okay taking my shirt off or not. Even people who would don't. There seems to be like a very sec. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Is I I really yeah. think that if I got just absolutely jacked, I still would not be. Right. At my core, a shirts off guy. Right. I'm still I'm still gonna walk around with my shirt on. I'm not gonna whip it off in front of a screaming crowd. I'm not right. even probably gonna be on the beach. Like I'm just not a shirts off guy. It's just not who I am. Right. So I'm not sure if they're born or made. My guess is that most are born. Yeah. And then that guy some, was born. I mean, he took yeah. that shirt off like it was nothing. Just like, yes, we beat these fuckers. <laughs> Here's my nipples. <laughs> my only comment on the basketball, having watched. Not yet a full game total, probably like in in total minutes watched of the March Madness tournament. Probably not yet a full game. Okay, uh, probably more like a half or maybe a full game because I watched like a full half of one of these games. It was sort of on while I was trying to write, and then I've watched a bunch of the endings because you can turn on the stupid like YouTube right. TV went and they they raised their prices. The bums, but. Oh. With the price raise, like they, they, they jacked it up by $8. This is a product that was introduced in 2017, maybe, something along those lines in a limited number of cities for $35 a month. And I, I had remember forgotten being that. I thought so it was, it excited by this. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I didn't live in a city where it was available until it had already been raised to, like I think, $45 a month. Uh, okay. And then when it when it became available where I was, I immediately signed up for it. And uh, they've now raised it, I think, four times over the course of the last uh, number of years. And we're all the way up to like, what was it? It was 72 or $73 72 now. Nine, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. And I'm sure we'll be at 99 bucks before the decade is out, right? Like it'll be a, it'll be 100 bucks or more uh, a month. 
up up to the price of like a basic cable package before we right. know it. Actually, uh, to that point, I do wonder. I, I I don't know what the current price structure is with like Xfinity and like Comcast and all of those companies. Although those two are the same, uh, because when it became available in Atlanta, uh, I joined. YouTube TV. I, I was kind of looking at the other streaming options like Sling, whatever, and Hulu Live. But like YouTube TV was like the the best of the bunch, right? Because the base YouTube TV. The reason that we like YouTube TV, at least I do, and uh, probably you too, it's got effectively an unlimited DVR, and yeah. it's got all of the sports channels that you want at the base package. You don't have to right. add bullshit. You don't have to choose. It's just here are most of the channels that you want to watch. It's got all of the news channels, all the sports channels, and the the local package, uh, plus it's got an unlimited DVR. So why would you right. want anything else? Right. And I, I don't know what the, the cable, the old school traditional cable pricing is. I don't know if you need to still have those boxes and it's the boxes man it's always the fucking boxes that that throw me off like i would right. i would be willing to price shop other options i would never go back to comcast it's as simple as that i will i will simply never but be is that a comcast a choice? like did you have multiple providers no. in and that right one now of the i would not have i would not have a choice for cable coming right. into my house so right. it's not an actual option to go to comcast and i will never choose to be a comcast customer again but like this idea that you could like even if you buy a Comcast package for like a hundred or a hundred and twenty dollars or whatever it is, or you, you you combine it with the internet and it's gonna be maybe just under a couple hundred bucks a month, you're then adding ten dollars or fifteen dollars per box. Yes. So per television, if and then they don't even like at least the way it was just a couple of years ago anyway. You have to pay for the DVR box on each of your fucking sets. Yes, it's like, are outrageous. you out of your fucking mind? I'm yeah. going to pay $15 per box where I want to have access to DVR? That's not how the world works, man. That's not what <laughs> the, the cloud was, was meant to kill all of this nonsense. You're out of your fucking mind. You're going to get me to pay like for four different boxes around my house. I have, I have half a dozen Roku, t- Roku boxes and Google Chromecasts and all the rest of them. Right. It's possible that they have since upgraded their technology and none of this is needed. Maybe a listener or somebody knows better, but we're talking about you know cable as it was like five years ago right who knows what it is right. now and comcast's appeal when i first when, when i first got it is that they had a really good interface the only thing that they had going for them was a good television <laughs> it sounds yes. so stupid but they had a good remote and a good user interface yes and and like that's it everything right. else about it was completely unacceptable and at this point the interface with my google uh, chrome tv thing and my roku box are totally adequate like they do yes. the job yeah. just fine the, the stupid remotes are not my favorite but like whatever they work just fine and like there's just absolutely no chance that i'm going back to the stupid cable company right i, w- I was anytime there's a price hike i always think like what is my number, right? Like you know, like Netflix has inched up like a dollar here, a dollar there. I don't even know where it is currently. Uh, YouTube TV is the same, but there's there's a, gonna be a number where you're gonna say, okay, this is too much. I'm gonna now shop and and see what else is out there. But well, in my YouTube head, TV, in my head, seventy five dollars a month is significantly different than sixty two dollars a month or like whatever the yeah. What, so this, this, is, this eight dollars feels is, like is, this feels like a more significant bump than we've than we've felt before and to me once you're up to 75 bucks a month it's like okay i could skip this for two months and like be fine like i could 
Like, that's one way to deal with the situation is because you don't have to go to the stupid Xfinity store and return your boxes and like wait on hold for six years to get everything all sorted out. And there's no presumably anyway, at least in my experience of dealing with other Google products, there's not any sort of customer retention nightmare that you have to go through. Like, I think that they make it pretty easy to just stop paying for it and then come back to it later. And oh, to me, yeah. at, at 75 bucks a month, that's like, okay, if I want to save 150 bucks, like 150 bucks, that could get me six months of uh, uh, Alamo Movie Pass or something like that, right? right? Exactly. So, like, yeah. to to give up for just a couple months of YouTube TV, if if those are your sorts of budget considerations, like that would be fine. Now that you now we're entering a time of like how much broadcast television do I really care about once we get out of March Madness like I the baseball that I want to watch I'm going to watch on the MLB app all of the rest of the sports I don't care about right now very much I just I have no interest in the NBA like I like catching the occasional NBA game but I don't care to make a point of it yeah I I, I think at least with two of my subscriptions uh, everything else if it's like a couple of dollars, I'll reconsider. But like my AMC A-list, you can't put the dollar high enough. Uh, don't tell AMC that. Uh, right. And YouTube TV, you can't set the dollar. It could be $100. I'll still pay it. Uh, just because of it's just easy. I can be anywhere and watch it. There's a family share plan. If somebody else wanted to kind of join and watch like a live event one day, they don't have cable. But they're like, oh, I want to check out this thing. You can just, hey. Right, you know. especially if you live in the same area. Like I noticed right. that I, I I can get away with sharing my YouTube TV login with a, a quote-unquote new family member for like I think it's a month or six weeks before it's like okay you yeah, have he, to check you have to check in at the area code or the zip code rather where right. this account originates from. It's like right. well I'm 600 miles from there. So right. <laughs> that's not <laughs> but an at option. Least, but for but that's that's pretty generous, right? Because you know. Mo- I, Anytime some outsider wants in, it's usually for something that's happening right there and then. You know, like somebody wanted it for like, I think it was a Super Bowl or something, although that's like over the air. But like what's great about it is that you don't even need to use my account. You can just – I can add your email and you'll be part of the thing and then you can use your information and create your own whatever. It's just like a very – Easy no, it's a very to use. it's a very good product, and yeah. uh, Lori would never let me cancel it anyway. So this is a moot conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah. But. Anyway, I only brought up YouTube TV at all because of the price increase, and then what they what they try to they, there had been talk in the various news alerts that I see about YouTube products, I guess, about how we were eventually going to get this multi-view thing where you're going to be able to do picture-in-picture picture on your YouTube TV, which I never understood really the what the technical problem was with just giving us that. Yeah. Picture-in-picture like yeah. picture is a technology that's been around for quite a long time. Right. And now that everything is just a stream of digital information, I sort of don't understand what the holdup was. But in any event, they gave it to us. They didn't give it to us the way that I wanted them to, which is to just let me pick what four channels I want to put in the four different quadrants of my uh, enormous television screen. Instead, it's like you can do multi-view, but only with the three or four different or two or three or four different uh, college basketball games that are going on now. Right. Maybe they will iterate on this technology and they'll give us the ability at some point to uh, choose what goes into our multi-view. But for now, they've just given us this, which uh, was wonderful. It was nice to be able to put four different college basketball games on all at once and you can choose which one is making the sound uh, and that that's cool is the nfl sunday ticket coming to youtube tv or is it coming to some other streamer 
It is coming to YouTube TV. YouTube. So I wonder it. if this is part of the rollout because th- this is, will come in handy in the fall, where you you know maybe they'll have it up and running to where you can't choose which games. Uh, so if you have the Sunday ticket, I don't know if they're going to call it that. Uh, this multi-screen thing. Maybe they're holding on until uh, they got the package. You know the rights yeah. to it. Yeah, and it could be cool. Uh, I will say about the college basketball is that this is a dreadful sport to watch oh it's, my uh, god oh. it's such it's such bad basketball and i caught 20 or like 20 minutes of a net because laurie's been gone this week so i just fucking put basketball on the television <laughs> i don't even fucking like basketball but like, laurie's not here so i guess i can put on some basketball when the world baseball classic isn't on i'll just throw in some basketball here uh, so I watched a little bit of – I don't even remember what the teams were on the NBA game that I was watching. But also just like a not fun product. And I guess like it, as it turns out, basketball is just not for me. Right. Uh, I think – yeah. Like do, do, you, do you like uh, soccer? Like you know, some, sometimes there are certain sports where – I like where, watching the World Cup. And again, I no, like watching playoff – I like watching playoff basketball. Right. Like I'm not – I just mean like the sort of – Regular season. The way that the modern yeah. game of basketball is played – has just no appeal for me whatsoever where it's like I just watch I watch a basketball game for 10 minutes and it's like each team throws up six threes and yes. they made three of them out of 12 or something altogether and it's just a, it just doesn't appeal to me as a sport in the way that it's currently played I think right. and the the college basketball was not any better like I was I was watching one of these games and I swear to god in the last like eight minutes of a half of basketball, like four points were scored. Or oh something man, like the that. droughts that some of these teams get on—it's ridiculous. They have the graphic. Oh, they, they haven't scored in like six minutes. It's like, how is that possible? Right. It's like, oh, and by the way, in that six minutes, the other team is on a seven-zero run. It's yeah. like, oh Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, what are we watching here? Now, granted, the ends of games can be absolutely thrilling. Right. Like the end of the Virginia game was hilarious and awesome oh, to watch. If you didn't have a rooting interest there are a number of these games that have awesome finishes yeah but that's just by virtue of the sheer volume and the fact that these are the most important games of the season right so everybody's going max effort this is all they fucking care about and also there are 32 games happening so presumably there's going to be a couple of good finishes over the course of a few hours right Uh, but besides that like i don't know man this sport kind of sucks for the most part (laughs) i think uh it is uh, important that there is significance behind it. I think the reason why, even though the quality of basketball, especially with college basketball, uh, is so so poor, but like it, when a single elimination and these teams are like, we don't want to, you know, this is it. Like we lose, we're out. The stakes are as high as it can get. Uh, I think it that works for making a sport, you know, a better entertainment watch because. Football has that scarcity, right? Like each game is significant. It's not like eighty plus games in basketball right, and hockey. But even or- even with that factored in, half of these games come down to one team is going to foul until the game is over. Right. So like right. as much fun as it is getting to the last possession where someone is not fouling and instead it's just a, a total fucking freak out to see what's going to happen with the who's going to take the last shot and will it go in and will the, like which of these teams of like uh, 12 or 15 20 year old men will be left weeping on the hard floor right. and which of them will be screaming their heads off in absolute ecstasy uh, like the 
human drama of that obviously has its own appeal. Right. But getting there when it's like, okay, foul, okay, foul, yeah. okay, foul shots, okay, yeah. foul for fucking 20 <laughs> minutes. And yes. I know it's an old silly complaint about the sport, but like, holy shit, is it right. not that much fun to watch? No, yeah. And, and I think uh, tweaking the rules could help, but it's, it's kind of hard. Whatever, t- you know, and this is not just basketball, whenever they change the rules, there's always this gaming of the system because, you know, in theory, a free throw should not be uh, something you should aspire to do, you know, to have. Like, I'm going to follow you because I have a better chance of you fucking up a free throw than, like, a layup or a three even. Like, I would rather just follow you and then have that tense moment. It's kind of – I mean, free throws are basically like yeah. – how about uh, a non-shooting foul in the last two minutes of a game is just six fucking free throws? Right, yes. or like Or two, but they're each worth three points. Yeah. Or like something really stupid that, like well, that. Well, I think the simple thing would be the two plus the ball. Basically, every time it just resets. So were right. you, you know, we'll just run it back. I mean, you're not getting the ball back if you do this. Right. So you, like cannot, you cannot foul to gain possession back right, is, is right. one way to solve the Th- problem, That could kind of diminish it. But yeah, you're right. There's, But it's still, you know, just a but spectacle. But doesn't that, doesn't that just end up with guys mauling guys and hoping that they don't get called on the foul and, and like, in, in the going for the steal? Like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah. There's no fixing the fucking game, and I'm just complaining about it to complain. Probably it just not every sport has to be for me. I right. don't have to be wildly entertained by them. I just right. it's just not for me. I guess. Did you the, catch any of the World Baseball Classic? Yes. Like, so that's the the opposite problem here, right? Which is that that like tournament basketball fucking rules, right? right. Just as a concept, because you can set it up, and everybody wants to do their brackets, and there's right. going to be billions of dollars of wagering on it, right. and uh, amateurs can do whatever they want, and you can have your kids fill out brackets, and then they can watch, and it's like, you know, it's just fun for the whole family sort of thing. Especially when uh, there's so many games happening once in the f- opening weekend. Where it's just right, like just, and then you put on the quad box, and you can right, watch exciting right. things happen with the ten-year-old, and he freaks out. And like, yeah, right. I get it. Yeah, that part of it is fun. Right. Uh, tournament baseball is stupid. Like, just as a concept, having a tournament for baseball <laughs> is terrible. But the games are awesome, right? Because like these guys are having the time of their goddamn lives, and you can tell that they're having a lot of fun doing it. Team USA is fucking awesome the only problem with team usa right now is the pitchers like the pitcher and and adam wainwright had a great night last night as did the the other guy for the cardinals who's got the good mustache his name is like mike matsakis or something i'm getting that wrong but they pitched great but generally speaking if there's a deficit to this u.s team it's that all of our best pitchers have decided they don't want to participate like adam wainwright is older than we are i think Uh, he's he's been around for a very long time still pitching and obviously, he's still got enough to get the job done, but uh, he's not the United States' best pitchers uh, or, or among them by any means. But the games have been awesome, and it's great to be able to root for Mike Trout. Like, Mike Trout has been probably the best or second best player in all of baseball in my lifetime. The argument is Barry Bonds in, in the alternative, but... Mike Trout is having the sort of Barry Bonds career that you thought Barry Bonds might have before he became a righted out monster and did nothing but hit home runs. Uh, Mike Trout is just an amazing baseball player. He's played for the 
angels for his entire career and we just never got to see him and that team has always stunk and it's really fun to be able to root for Mike Trout and Mookie Betts who is another awesome baseball player who has played for teams that I have not wanted to root for over his career for the Boston Red Sox and for uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers and it's really fun to root for these guys who are awesome baseball players and are playing for Team USA and obviously having a really fun time doing it. I don't know what the problem is with getting people excited about it. And I don't know if it's just a baseball issue because people don't fucking like baseball are, very much, as it turns out. Are the ratings down or something? What, what do you mean? Like, do you think I that... have no idea, okay. but it doesn't seem to be having any... It doesn't feel like it's having any wider impact on the... Like, it's not migrated its way into my Twitter feed with the exception that, of a, a couple of baseball accounts that I specifically follow. The one thing that, did, that I did see crossover uh apparently the the u.s and cuba played there was some defector so a player just stayed in cuba i mean in in, in miami didn't go yeah, back with uh, the team one of their catchers who wasn't even officially on the roster he was just a, a bullpen catcher and apparently he took it uh kind of rough he's one of their best national players and for some reason they didn't put him on the roster and there was some thought that he took some offense to that. I don't know if that played into him deciding to defect or not. I was joking uh, with my buddy Naveed while I was watching that game that uh, as the game was getting increasingly out of hand, the over-under of number of substitutes who would suddenly be unavailable because they had quietly defected into the crowd down there in Miami. Uh, I set the over-under at one and a half. Uh, <laughs> It ended up being the under. And oh, it's not, right. He didn't. He didn't defect until after the game. Uh, but <laughs> it's interesting. This is they let a few of the defectors play on this Cuban national team for the first time ever, in the hopes of actually fielding a team that would perform well. I don't know how they expected this to go well for right. them. Ultimately, like you're always. It, it seems like you're just inviting the possibility of defection. When when you open it up to people who have previously defective to play on the national team, right? But yeah, I mean, I, the games have been just terrific. I don't know. I guess you haven't caught any of them so far. No. The U.S. is now going to be in the final. I didn't. I got to check the score. It was three nothing Mexico over Japan when I last checked, and it is still that three nothing in the bottom of the seventh. Mexico over Japan to advance to the final to play the united states and that should be a lot of fun anyway uh i don't know how you fix that either i don't know how you fix basketball i don't know how you fix getting people excited about the world baseball classic it's just a dumb format for playing baseball but at the same time the games are awesome baseball games they right. feel like playoff baseball games and in the in only the good way and i don't know how you can translate that to a wider audience besides making the olympics where the world baseball like it, it should yeah. be what the olympics are right uh but because professionals generally are out of season like they're the the best baseball players in the world in japan and the united states are they're playing in the major leagues either here or in japan right. while the olympics are going on usually and so you don't get the best players on your national olympic team uh whereas with this you have a better shot of that. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, Although, I don't know I mean, if it's a, a marketing problem or what it is, or it's just simply a fact of our culture right now that nobody cares about baseball as also, much as they used to. Also, I think it's okay just to live with with those that do care about it. You know, whatever that number is, if like 3 million people are watching it, just be happy right, right. 3 million people are watching it. I don't mean it. changing yeah. the game. I right. just wonder if like the stewards of the game could be doing a better job of making it more accessible right. to more people. Right. Uh, but who knows? 
All right, I guess we should talk about some actual stuff here. All right, so you mentioned the... Uh, I have, a, I have a, a theme to tie a few different stories together tonight, hopefully. You mentioned the idiot on the field who turned out to be a protester on the field last night's game between the United States and Cuba down there in Miami. By the way, the Miami baseball stadium more full than it has ever been <laughs> for a Marlins game. I think uh, there's absolutely no question about that, except maybe the day that they opened that stadium, did they actually fill that fucking place? But that's uh, to be expected, right? I mean, they play 80 plus games and the team sucks versus you like, I mean, a, that's to be expected out of Florida baseball fans, right. apparently, for yes. some reason. It's not clear why. Like Tampa has had both of these teams, Tampa and the Marlins, have had success in to the point of winning World Series right. through the years yeah. and, and making the playoffs. It just hasn't translated to a passionate fan base uh, over the long term. Anyway, also, by the way, uh, great turnout by United States fans. Like I expected watching U.S. versus Cuba for the people rooting for the United States to be overwhelmed by the people cheering on Cuba. And it didn't seem to be the case. It, I mean, the plenty of Cubans there shouting their faces off and having a great time, but it felt like it was about half and half. It was cool. Right. And also I, I can imagine, it, you know, it's not unequivocal support. You know, the, the, there's probably some Cuban Americans who are rooting for the American team. Right. Sure. Where there's yeah. no such thing. You know, all the Americans are rooting for the American team. Anyway, watching it, there were a couple of times uh, when they would cut to the extreme close-up of the player on the field and play would stop or they would cut to the crowd who was clearly watching something very interesting happen on the field. Yeah. But the television refuses to show it. And this is well, a long-standing rule. thing, at least yeah. at least going back, I want to say at least a decade. Where oh, more than that, right? I mean, when's the last time you saw like a, a streaker like – Actually right. see it. Right. Actually see it live. And now, of course, it's super easy. As soon as this happens, you just go on Twitter yes. and you search for <laughs> idiot on the field and somebody will have posted right. video either from there or from a feed from the stadium that they have access to that shows the whole feed that, that shows the whole field. And so you can actually see what happens. Yeah. And apparently this, these were protesters for uh, Cuban liberty, like anti communist anti-castro right. protesters as you would expect to see anytime a bunch of cubans all get in one place so we have this norm in sports broadcasting especially that we do not show the idiot on the field and i i don't mean to denigrate these uh, fine protesters who care about cuban liberty it's just what you call them they're right. idiots on the field right it's a term as of to not encourage it you know if you're right. giving them yeah right so they don't show they don't now, they don't do this on radio, and my favorite videos to find on Twitter with this are when you go and it's like Kevin Harlan or Ian Eagle who's doing the Westwood One call on the radio yeah. paired with the video, video. that somebody yeah. has from uh, the thing that actually happened. And so you do you can sort of meld together two different feeds to get an enjoyable play-by-play -play of what's happening. And, of course, it always ends with the idiot on the field getting tackled by a massive, uh, usually obese, security guard because these aren't always the most fit guys <laughs> That's right. they're just big fat guys yeah. uh, who get paid to do security at these events or uh, with great excitement the guy escapes and like climbs the outfield fence and and gets but, into the crowd but that, that, way. that typically doesn't happen usually uh both the the disruptor uh the person streaking or protesting and the security they're both their cardio uh pretty poor right so <laughs> like if you, if, yeah. if the guy is trying to like weave around like 
they only got so many weaves in them before they start to gas, you know. So like you can kind of just corner them and just 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 kind of give up, and you'll just tackle. Right. And them. occasionally you see one like uh, out of like Australian rules football or rugby or something like that. Yeah, and you just see these dudes get fucking decked. <laughs> And uh, I don't, I don't like to watch uh, unsanctioned violence. Generally speaking, uh, it's not my. I don't, I don't seek out fight videos on the internet or or people getting killed by cops or whatever. But there's something satisfying and amusing about an idiot on the field getting absolutely leveled by right. some 300 pound muscle freak out there on the pitch. Uh, anyway, you sort of said it already, but why is it that we don't show? the idiots on the field? And the answer is because we don't want to encourage that sort of behavior from other people. The idea being that if you show video on television to the, in the case of baseball, 200,000 people watching at home on, on Fox Sports 2 or wherever they've deigned to show this game, or in the event that it's at an, like an NFL playoff game, the, the 17 or 25 million people who are watching at home, you don't want to reward that behavior right. and in theory then encourage more bad behavior. We accept that as a sort of truism, right? We accept that giving this person the exposure that they so clearly want will is a a form of social contagion almost right. that it will then encourage other people to act similarly. And I don't exactly quibble with that in this case. I don't know if you do either, but it seems to me a a pretty reasonable policy and a pretty reasonable expectation that you're going to only encourage more idiots on the field if you put idiots on the field uh, on people's television screens in their living rooms. Right. I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, you, you hardly see it anymore because they don't show it. I mean, sometimes you can tell because it's like this awkward, like, cameras, like, pointed somewhere else. Like, they don't, like, cut to commercial or make it seem seamless, you know? So it's kind of obvious, like, something is happening, but you don't know what. Uh, but in any case, yeah, they're not drawing attention to whatever's going on, and I think that's the right course of action. Whether or not it is effective, who knows? You know, maybe the same number of people are still doing it. Maybe they're, you know, they have an audience of thirty thousand, sixty thousand, eighty thousand, and that's enough for them, right? They're not doing it for the wider television audience, right? And so maybe those people are still going to do it. And likely, I mean, other than the protester, most of the other people are drunk, right? Like. Right. Very and drunk. To, to say nothing of the fact that, as I mentioned, anybody who wants to see this can seek it out. And, yes. and it That's will true. get, yeah. like, even if they don't show it on television, it will get some excessive number of views on social media. They'll be able to go on their own Twitter feed and be like, hashtag it was me or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, they can claim ownership of it and then they have that forever. And, like, that incentive structure is still there. So I'm, while I'm, I understand the sort of social contagion theory in this case and am sympathetic to it. Like you, I'm a little bit skeptical that it actually matters. Right. Uh, but I think generally we accept it. We, it's just totally fine. Now, there was another uh, Twitter files release this week. Uh, this one from Taibi, I believe. Yeah, it was Taibi. Oh, so uh, he's, still he, do, he's still doing the Twitter files release? This is one that's about Stanford's virality project. 
It says that beginning in February of 2021 and continuing with regular reports, the Virality Project researchers encouraged Twitter to expand its misinformation policies to include true reports of vaccine side effects, criticism of vaccine passport systems for their imposition on rights and freedoms, and even discussion of legitimate scientific research on breakthrough infections on natural immunity. Now, the reason for this in terms of their justification for it, is obviously also a sort of social contagion theory, right? right? Which is that even true information, which could lead to, in our minds, bad outcomes because we don't trust people with true information to make the correct decision, must be censored. And I know people quibble with the use of the word censored in this case because it's a Stanford academic project essentially working with Twitter rather than this being something done by the government. But this is, to me, like deeply problematic that you would have uh, an academic institution working with Twitter to decide what true information should and should not be allowed to go viral on its platform because of concerns about what the impacts of that could be with no real proof of what those impacts might actually be, right? They're just sort of guessing here. Yes. And they're worried about a sort of social contagion taking over that allows true things to lead to bad outcomes. I do wonder how, you know, you know, Twitter is, is, is a weird platform because they, and I guess maybe the FBI and other agencies think the same way, they think they have an outsized influence on the the United States, right? Like, what happens here is of such importance that we need to screen potentially harmful information. Even if the information is true, it could be misconstrued or it could be taken a certain way. And therefore, we need to prevent that from happening. Is that even true? Like Just like with the, the streaker thing, like I don't know what impact not showing it has on deterrence. There's been junk on Twitter for a long time. There's still junk on Twitter. Same thing with YouTube. A lot of these conspiracy theories – are around people who are seeking out this information are going to find it somewhere right so like what is the this to me it sounds like this is like a a fool's errand this entire experiment of trying to prevent harm by blocking information and censoring things like well is it only a fool's errand if you eventually get found out right because presumably they were successful in their mitigating of the ability of certain things to go viral well, right but but how do we okay so on that point uh what evidence is there that it would have gone viral right i mean it could have just been like a one-day story like oh this happened i mean the 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 energy department's low confidence that it's a thing it was a story for a few days and now like nobody's talking about it like there's just so much content out there that nothing really sticks it has to be something really I don't know. That's very, like, very big. I agree with you that Twitter has an outsized idea of the power of their platform to have a material impact on the world. I think that we have made a mistake, largely a mistake that is understandable because of who is most active on the platform, which is everyone in media and government is most active on the platform. And so they believe that this is where the world is happening. And in some respects, they're right. This is where their world is happening. Right. It's it's not clear to me that Jay, uh, the Stanford guy, I think he was Stanford, uh, Jay Bhattacharya, the doctor who raised some 
doubts about how effective our COVID regime was going to be in terms of actually mitigating death and risk and that, and like raising concerns about how like, like it's always worth keeping in mind that there will be negative externalities to any of these policies. And uh, he was concerned that like, and this is a perfectly reasonable human being. And he was sort of affected and the term shadow banned is difficult, but he was effectively shadow banned by Twitter to make sure that his stuff had less reach than it otherwise would have had naturally. I think that while I agree with you that they have an outsized idea of their impact on the world, it matters that whatever their impact on the world is, they believe that they have to do the right thing by humanity, by right. some standard that is amorphous and ever-changing with the facts on the ground as we understand them, to prevent information, true and good and real information, from getting out into the world. They firmly believed when they blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story from getting as widespread traction as it otherwise might have, or at least attempting to. Right. In my opinion, the Streisand effect ends up completely mitigating the the impact of that anyway. But because they're doing it on their platform, because they believe they, – they, and they firmly believe and they have the backing of the United States federal government and different right. agencies and the administrations and the political campaigns, they're all working together – operating under the assumption that, in fact, the things that we do here will have great impact on the world. Therefore, in terms of a policy, you sort of have to treat them as though they are having that sort of an impact on the world, right? Like they should they should be modeling the same sorts of open and free speech and, and, and rules of open debate and engagement that we would want to model in a true public square, even as we recognize that Twitter is an imperfect public square simply by virtue of the fact that only fucking 10 percent of Americans are on there right. or, and, and some that, yeah. much smaller percentage of people are active on there. Right. You, you would think a better approach would be to provide context when something is like inflammatory information. Like if, if something is true, I think, if you have no evidence to show that something is false, right? So let's say you don't have any evidence to show that something is false. I don't know what the point of trying to prevent it from being disseminated on your platform will do other than just to draw more attention, like you said, with a Streisand effect. Uh, the focus should be if, if a, any sort of bad actor is trying to use your platform to amplify something, like by artificial means, like trying to clamp that down, like trying to like goose up the, the, uh, the system to get something to get more attention than it actually is getting organically. Like try to prevent those kind of things. But trying to be the arbiter of truth is just the dumbest thing. I mean, look at them now. They're having all of these but stories. But that's the thing. They're not even trying to be arbiters of truth. What they're saying is that true things will have negative – we believe right. that true things will have negative impacts on Americans' ability to trust the public health institutions, right. which is a weird right. – it's a weird thing to put in the hands of a research team at Stanford and the quality control people at Twitter, right? right? Like it's just not the sort of thing that we want these people in charge of. Is there an argument for that there ought to be someone in charge of it? Maybe. Right. In my opinion, uh, no, that the – that your model is better, that what you want to do is if someone is abusing the platform and spreading 
false things that lead to bad outcomes, then you should limit the reach of the of that thing. But like Thomas Massey and Rand Paul, who are annoying people in their own ways, sending out information that was published by the Cleveland Clinic, which showed no benefit of vaccination to people who had already been infected, uh, like how is that something that should be taken off the platforms if it's something that is in fact true and like why because it makes people feel weird about tony fauci and the and the cdc like in in what way does that make the world a better and more honest place i don't i don't know yeah i don't get it and and also you know uh Trying to control the outcome when the information that's being spread is true, or at least it's not knowingly false, what does that end up doing? I mean, in retrospect, we're now years removed from this, right? Now, this is just a kind of like a retrospect, like this almost autopsy of how humans behaved in America during the peak pandemic, right? And did this try to prevent uh, people from taking things the wrong way? Did that inspire more confidence in the health agencies or or not? Right. I mean, I don't think this has worked, right? So like what was the point? Like you were trying to say if this gets out, people are gonna lose trust and confidence in what we're trying to do. Uh, and so or not we, but like the CDC and other health agencies. And now that this information is out there, what has that done? Like and eventually the, this kind of information will get out if if not through some new guy owning the company and then giving it to a journalist, some disgruntled employee, like this information would eventually get out somehow, right? Somebody would say, this is what we were doing. And then there'll be a big 60 minute story and everybody will know, like, it doesn't make sense. Even if you believe that, I think it's an absurd way to go about trying to control how people react to things. But even if you believe that in retrospect, you must admit that that was the wrong approach, right? Right. And it's all about, and we've something that I've said many times before. It's a over concern with what will the rubes think and what will the rubes do. Right. And it's that's what this again, this idea of, of social contagion. We just it we accept it. Like these are the the Stanford people, the Twitter people, the FBI, the Biden administration firmly believes that true information that can be used to lead to potentially bad outcomes should be restricted from going out into the wider world or from being promoted on a, on a platform like Twitter. And to me, that just speaks to their belief that the overwhelming majority of people are too stupid to know what's best for themselves. Right. And right. This, this idea that, that information can be a social cont- that and, and it, by virtue of it being a social contagion that leads to bad outcomes, we are then going to recharacterize it. We're going to redefine it as misinformation and malinformation and propaganda, even though it's true, right? right? We're gonna, and like as soon as like not to go slippery slope here, but when you start going down that road, you get into really weird territory very very quickly, right? And it and it. It seems to me that we have accepted this idea of social contagion in virtually every single avenue of our informational life. Right. Like we, we have sort of collectively we, – we just accept this hypothesis whenever we hear it. And the only time – not to go off on a trans kids rant here, but like the only time that the mainstream media – or just normal good people going about their lives who don't think an idiot on the field should be on television have any questions about the uh, social contagion issue is when somebody brings up uh, something like rapid onset gender dysphoria among uh, teen girls where like all of a sudden six girls out of a 10 
10-person friend group have all decided that they are uh, transgender or non-binary in some right. way. Like yeah. That is genocidal right. to suggest that there might be some sort of strange social contagion thing going on there. But in every other aspect of uh, human culture and our understanding of the way people work. And like, this is maybe the impact of the sociologists and maybe it's the impact of the evolutionary biologists and the evolutionary psychologists. But like social contagion seems to be as, as widely accepted a psychological or sociological concept in pop psychology as I can think of off the top of my head. And in this, in this one domain, it's like, nope, definitely not that. And if you say that you're a fucking transphobe. (laughs) But, but what's odd is, you know, withholding information, uh, sows doubt and distrust. And that is also contagious, right? I mean, live with getting the information out there. And, and and people and, and people you'd be surprised they deal better when you just tell them hey this is what we know this is what happened it'll suck for a second but people will just process it and okay there's no uh, you you don't think that they're withholding anything this is the information hey we don't know this thing you know one study shows it works one study shows that it doesn't know uh, we're gonna take the cautious approach and take this route but yes there's some evidence that shows that inconclusive blah 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 that you'll go further farther along if you take that approach than just withholding the information right and then somebody like a bad actor or somebody on the other side using that as ammunition they're withholding information from you the truth is and now this person can say whatever the truth is right and now you're right. the say, most the most i mean it's and it's always dumb but the most powerful sort of knowledge in the world is always the secret knowledge yes it's right. always it's always the shit that they they didn't want you to hear right, right? and like that that it just markets better and people get super fucking excited about it. Right. And like the information about the possibility that this was a virus that was gain of function research was done in a lab in Wuhan and then leaked out into the general public. Like that was considered uh, potentially information that was too dangerous for whatever reason. Right. uh, To, and now of course we get this raccoon dog thing. What is that? Uh, Like, right. Where did that come from? Like the, in the, you know, like I, I don't think I've heard the raccoon dog thing until recently. Like, right. So this just happened. The Atlantic published a thing, and then immediately after the Atlantic published, the New York Times sent out a push notification with a story of their own. They they were not the breakers of the story because this is based on a study that hasn't even gone to print yet by a team of international researchers or whatever the fuck who got access to data that was then almost immediately removed from the database where it was found originally. So like the the Chinese have been really fucking shady with all of this data and access to data for researchers and that sort of thing. And somebody was just dicking around on one of the Chinese upload sites and found some new data that they hadn't seen before. So they quickly downloaded it and shared it with a team of researchers and it's like uh, look at this we haven't seen this before and then the researchers call up their chinese counterparts and like hey what what's with this new shit here and then all of a sudden the new shit disappears from the database again Uh, but fortunately they had downloaded it so they continue to have access to it but the chinese have have since shut up about it again but the idea is that in early 2020 they had swabbed all of the different stalls at this wet market, this uh, Hunan seafood wholesale market in January 2020. And 
they collected genetic material from these different stalls where the live animals are kept, the, both live and dead animals are kept. And ultimately, what they found in one of these samples was DNA from these raccoon dogs and also genetic material from coronavirus. Now, oddly, this was presented by The Atlantic as like the best yet evidence for a, a zoonotic origin. It's not clear that it is that at all. And like in, in a weird, like what it is, is it suggests that this virus and these animals were both at the seafood market at roughly the same time in early 2020. Robert Redfield from the CDC has said before Congress that we believe that this virus is probably spreading as early as uh, September and definitely by October and November of 2019. So the idea that because some raccoon dogs were in a cage where that virus also was doesn't prove any like it's it's not like this is it's not like it's a coronavirus that has markers of raccoon dog in it right? right it's not it's not like this is they can't prove that the virus itself was in the raccoon dogs because they don't have the raccoon dogs all they have is swabs from the cages there and it's a, it's actually The way that it was talked about in a lot of the media, and again, I know it's a silly thing to complain about, I guess, but it was presented as, uh, you heard six weeks ago and four weeks ago and a couple weeks ago about how uh, the Department of Energy and uh, the FBI now are leaning towards lab leak, but uh, this is where zoonotic origin strikes back, and now we have reason to believe that it should be swinging the other way. Uh, but it's not that. At, at, and again, this is a study that no one has seen except for the person who writes for The Atlantic, and it's uh, not been peer-reviewed yet. And so it's it's very much a preliminary thing. And to me, the only reason for this sort of thing to come out now and be treated with the sort of acceptance that it was treated with is as a reaction to right. the lab leak thing getting the sort of press that it did. It feels very much like a manipulated political sort of story rather than something that's just relying on the evidence. The last sentence in the New York Times piece about this is – But, he said, given that the animals that were present in the market were not sampled at the time, this is as good as we can hope to get. In other words, we don't fucking know at all. Like, there's not any way that this is proof of anything, and anything that you saw on a a CNN Chiron or whatever that suggested otherwise was not being honest about it. But, you know, uh, these two stories highlight, give the information as you know it, People will accept that much better. I mean, I, I don't know what the the polling shows now, but I would imagine most people just accepted that report with the energy department as, oh, okay, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. That's that could be a possibility. Like there wasn't like, oh no, like maybe on TV and on Twitter. But right, like but the problem is that underneath all of this, there is a lot of important politics and maneuvering going on by the scientists. Unfortunately, like there the to the what guy end though? Like who, what would be the the end game? I mean, like it's not like. If the if the United if Fauci and the various United States bureaucracies have long pushed for this sort of gain of function research to go on, if it turns out that gain of function research led directly to the worst pandemic in 120 years or whatever, then that's not going to be good for gain of function research going forward. If instead this thing happened to cross over in nature because of a wet market and somebody ate a bat or fucked a raccoon dog or whatever like whatever it is that happened anything other than a leak 
Right. Anything other than gain of function research in a poorly run lab, which to me, like you can just say it was a poorly run lab right. and we need to run labs better than that. And that this if this sort of research is going to be done, it needs to be done in the strictest of conditions under under level four, or level five or whatever it is, biohazard safety, rather than this very lax level two where people were just allowed to come and go and they weren't even in full PPE all of the time, apparently. But if it turns out to just be another thing that came out of a wet market that, that arises from natural origin, then there's a lot less reason for people to freak out about uh, the sort of money that we invest in doing gain-of-function research, well, right? Let me ask you a question because I don't know anything about gain-of-function research, but is the concern that if it turns out it was that and not some other thing, some wet market, some natural occurring thing – Gain of function research is going to be treated kind of like nuclear plants. Like we can't afford to pursue that right. course. Well, in part because it's sort of controversial anyway, even without this sort of eventuality happening, right. because this sort of eventuality is plausible. If you make a worse smallpox in the lab in the under the guise of trying to find a way to protect against it in case uh, the evil Kazakhstanis or whatever the fuck uh, are developing their own uh, weaponized smallpox or something like that, but yours leaks out, then what have you accomplished? Right. You've accomplished what Kazakhstan was trying to do, <laughs> not to speak ill of... Uh, of the fine people of Kazakhstan. Well, to 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 that uh, to the point of like the gain of function research. So, like you know, nuclear energy is you know as long as you don't have a Chernobyl or a Three Mile Island almost incident, uh, it's great, right? It's it's a good source of energy. Blah blah blah. There's a lot of upsides to nuclear energy. Is there a drug? Is there a vaccine that is a product of gain of research? Is there like some success story of this re type of research or are we too early on yeah i don't know actually i don't know the answer you know because like it seems like if it's true that there is uh some there are interested parties in the scientific community that they want to shine the attention away from this possibility right and they want it to be something else because they want to protect this thing like what is it that they're protecting is there some sort of i do wonder if there's some sort of like promising discovery that's in the offing and if you know sentiment scuttles this type of research because of the chinese fuck up right well i mean in theory in theory if you could have i mean they granted they worked these vaccines worked incredibly quickly it's not clear that they're as effective as they had hoped right or thought they were going to be in the immediate aftermath of them being released but like in theory if you can make these coronaviruses that much more potent in the lab and then you find a way to kill them and not just one of them but any of them then you will have done a great job in terms of securing human humanity's future uh, and ensuring uh, that we will survive future much worse pandemics than the than the one that we had to deal with over the course of the last 3 years Right. I don't know that that's ever been accomplished before. I don't know that they have anything that they can lean on that says this is a plausible goal. But it, it makes sense to me, at least. Uh, I just don't know if it's necessarily worth the risk. Right. And yeah, it, what, it, what I do know yeah. is that it will have a scarlet letter around its neck that it won't be able to shake for at least a few years yeah. if they can definitively prove that this that the, what we've endured uh, globally, that, that however many – millions of people ended up with this thing plus what is it seven million dead people or something right, like that upwards of seven uh, yeah 
Yeah, then reasonably so, people would be less excited about uh, funding gain-of-function research moving forward. Anyway, that sort of gets a little bit outside of the realm of the social contagion thing, although it is worth noting that it's it, it's kind of funny to me that we're now back to it was a Chinese wet market problem, and that's the less racist <laughs> option in some weird way, right? Because, like, we're supposed to be accepting of other cultures and, like, not want to— not want to blame the Chinese for like their dirty live animal markets where they have raccoon bears or raccoon dogs. Sorry, I've never heard of this animal before this week. So it's not. So you have the raccoon dogs in cages above birds and the raccoon dogs are just shitting and pissing all over the birds. And it's just all very bad. Like, don't do that, you Chinese people. But also we're supposed to be careful there as far as the racial uh, stuff goes. Right. But But now we're back onto blaming a Chinese wet market <laughs> and all of the attendant to, yeah, that's stereotypes true. that go with that just so that we can preserve this gain-of-function research, maybe? I don't <laughs> but know. again, if all of that is true, I do wonder what is this promising thing that that's being so protected? Because otherwise, it sounds to me it's a speculative type of research. Like we hope, you know, on paper this looks promising, but we can't actually point to – a success story to say, hey, you're, 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 you know, half the population is taking this pill, and that's thanks to this gain of function research from like ten years ago. But there isn't a connection drawn. One last thing on the social contagion stuff, and it, this is also sort of beginning to stray far afield from it. But I saw on, I think I saw this because of Nate Silver's Twitter account. He pointed and laughed at a Rasmussen poll. Uh, these these fine people at Rasmussen polling, <laughs> where people are passing around because the the Arizona governor's election is still a matter of some dispute in Crazy Land, even in the, though in the the governor has been sworn in and right. Even though uh, I mean, what's her name is still basically saying Carrie Lake is basically still saying that she is the rightfully elected governor of Arizona, and <laughs> seems to occasionally point to the idea that she's going to operate a shadow government uh, and also <laughs> for Arizona. Cons- and also consider running for Senate next year. Right. Well, she'll run for Senate, and who knows if uh, – she might be too crazy even for Donald Trump to pick as a running mate <laughs> if such a thing is possible. Uh, anyway, Rasmussen comes out with a poll that people are passing around that shows that Carrie Lake won Arizona over Katie Porter. That's the name, right? Is that right? Yeah. Katie Porter? Over Katie Porter by eight points, according to this poll that Rasmussen won, ran. And the thing that I Katie, found most Katie amusing Hobbs. about this— I'm sorry. Katie Hobbs. That's right. Katie Porter's the California wannabe senator yes. to replace She's the, the one uh, with demented— the whiteboard and explaining things. Right. And she wants to replace the demented and outgoing— No uh, work demented. Outgoing. She's actually demented, Abe. She she has dementia. It's very clear to everyone involved. And I might have dementia too because I'm completely blanking on the demented senator's name. Diane Feinstein. Right now. Diane Feinstein. Uh, speaking of which, she should just step down. I guess they don't want to be in a situation where they have now appointed two senators from California. And, like, thereby giving the governor the power to basically 
pick the senators because the way that the popular vote likely works is that unless you completely shit the bed as the incumbent uh, appointed senator, you're likely going to win anyway. Right. I think you solve that problem by saying, I'm going to pick someone as Governor Newsom. Like, I will just pick someone who will pledge to not run for senator again in the next Right. In the next go right. round, like yeah. uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to preclude themselves from office but forever. Sit out, yeah, but they will sit out the next one because it's just not fair that I get to choose, and therefore we're going to open the primary to fucking Adam Schiff. Once also, it yeah, ends. it seems like it's going to be a pretty competitive field, right, with Schiff and Porter. Right, which is why I understand the Democrat Democratic Party doesn't want to just hand it to someone. Right. Uh, that would be – I mean I, they probably do, but in the optics of it aren't particularly good and it's not clear who the who the choice would be anyway. Anyway, uh, that is uh, getting off the point here. Uh, the woman's name is Katie Hobbs. She did not uh, lose the election uh, in Arizona. In fact, she instead uh, won the election by a relatively small amount, but this poll by Rasmussen says that – Carrie Lake won by eight points according to a poll of voters that they did. Now, if you can explain to me why we should trust a Rasmussen Reports poll of voters more than the actual (laughs) poll of voters in the election, I'm very open to it. Like, And I know that what you'll say is, well, they cheated over there, but like – you're ref- you're going to rely instead on like like polls are only bullshit unless they confirm the thing that I believe to be true seems to be what you're saying there. Right. But also, here's my favorite part of this poll, which had its margin of error comically at like three percent uh, because because like, yeah, she won by eight. But there's a three percent uh, margin of error. So there's like no denying it. Carrie Lake definitely won this election. But this same poll had five percent of people respond saying that they didn't vote for either candidate. And if you go to the list of uh, the total number of votes for other people, it's like in the hundreds. Right. Like it's it's so it's I think more people said more raw data, more raw voters said in the poll that they voted for other people than actually voted for other people <laughs> on election day. Right. Like it is a, a fraction of a fraction of one percent that voted for someone besides the two front runners and the Rasmussen poll. Uh, which called voters up and were like, who did you vote for? 5% were like, oh, I don't know, maybe some guy named Terry? Pretty <laughs> sure it was Terry that I voted for. Because voters don't fucking know. They don't know who they voted for. Even if, like, I will give 100, giving 100% credence to the Rasmussen poll. I will take it at 1,000% face value and believe that they did a good job, they eliminated bias, and they actually got an 8% outcome for Carrie Lake. I think that that is just reflective of people not knowing what the fuck they did right. three months ago, right. right? Which is like a normal human condition because most normal humans aren't like us and they aren't like people who are politically aware. Even the ones who vote, the overwhelming majority of them don't pay any fucking no. attention whatsoever. No. They have no idea what's going on. Right. Only the rabid, insane people right. are. And so if you call them up and you're like, hey, did you vote for Carrie Lake or Katie Hobbs? They'll be like, 
Wait, who's Ka- who's Ka- who's Katie Hobbs? Which one of them is the governor now? Yeah. Wait, which one's the Republican? Yeah, I voted for the Republican. Right. That's what I would right, do because right. I'm a normal Arizona Republican. Right. That's what I would. Like, they don't fucking remember what they did right. back in November. Right. That's all that's going and, on and, here. And, and not to go back to to the Twitter thing, but this is why I find it even more absurd that the impact that a tweet is going to have, where people don't even know what the fuck they're doing. Like, you know, you 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 have governors in some states where they they'll move a referendum that they don't like to like an off year and count on the fact that people are not going to bother to show up. Like people just, a lot of stuff does not penetrate most people. Most people have their own lives. They have their own worlds and they live in there and they don't care about all this, all this other stuff. You know, how many of your best friends with whom you have another podcast, listen to your podcast, right? <laughs> listen to your podcast about news and culture, which like, that's not a great podcast, but it's a pretty good podcast. This thing that we do here, right? You know, like none of them listen to it. I, if I set the line at zero, I would be on the button, like zero, I would say. But yeah, you're right. I think people are just in their world, you know, and 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 a lot of the stuff that people gravitate towards are, are more like wish fulfillment or just choose your own adventure kind of stuff. Like I want this to be true, so I'm going to point to that, right? That's the extent of the interaction. And so that's why, you know, these polls don't really mean anything. The actual votes will tell you what happened. On the same point, I can't find it right now. I just Googled quickly, but like Mike Pence has a name recognition of like 6% or something <laughs> stupid like that. Like people don't know who the vice president is. Like nobody knows that even Kamala Harris is the, like, wait, who? You know, all, like nobody fucking knows anything about what's going on. You know, all these years where like, you know, Jay Leno and other late night types would do the man on the street bits and you would think that they would cobble together, you know, they would interview like right. They must people. have interviewed 300 yeah, people to find out that nobody knows that Abraham Lincoln <laughs> has been dead since 1865 and is not, in fact, a living member of Congress or something like that. Nope. They talked to three dudes and two of them didn't know that. One day, one of them should have just done a live edition of it. Like, you know, we're not fucking with you. This is actually happening. If you want to stand outside of the fucking theater, like, you'll know this happening live and you'll get the same results. I think most people are just not in tune with things. It's not a character flaw. Like, I mean... Not necessarily. I mean, you probably know who the vice president is, but it's not like a character flaw that you're not interested in the day-to-day goings-on of politics, right? Abe, you know what people are paying attention to? What's that? TikTok. TikTok. And uh, one of our nation's finest political minds, the reporter for NBC News, his name is Ben Collins, believes that (laughs) TikTok is the thing that people care about. Uh, The Biden administration has made some noise uh, last week about banning TikTok or forcing a sale of TikTok. Uh, this is a, a company that is actually called ByteDance. It's a Chinese company. And uh, the concern, of course, is that TikTok collects an unusual amount of user data from uh, users' phones. And there are all sorts of links. I'll make sure there's a link to my blog about this in the show note, of course. Uh, but this is Anybody who pays any attention to the news probably knows that the concern about TikTok is that it scrapes a great deal of user information and, in fact, seems to track you uh, across the web and in other apps, even if you're not using the uh, app itself at that time. Uh, Apple does a better job, I guess, of making sure that doesn't happen. But uh, anyway, the concern is the same concern that was raised by Donald Trump in a uh, more predictably Trumpy and less artful way. 
but the Biden administration seems to be interested in forcing this issue as well. Ben Collins of NBC News, who's a uh, disinformation, extremism, and internet reporter for NBC, who I think I've mentioned on the show here before, because he's a bit of a catastrophist. He tends to take the uh, most extreme, uh, it's kind of funny for somebody who traffics and uh, who who worries about disinformation to further just be a fucking utter catastrophist on the internet, saying things like about how he sh- we should be worried about democracy because Elon Musk is going to take over Twitter, which seems like a little bit yeah. of an extreme reaction yeah. to Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I joshed him online once about uh, this is a few weeks ago he had posted something about how everybody should stop freaking out about ai for some reason various goings on on twitter make him worry about the existential future of our country but the potential for the singularity and artificial intelligence and the robots taking over and murdering us all in our sleep is is something that everybody should just calm down about all right there's nothing to fucking worry about man and i said uh something like get a load of you telling everybody not to freak out about some wild internet shit and he's like, "Well, this uh, uh, this wild internet shit isn't gonna isn't gonna be Nazis who pick up guns and kill children." Is like literally what he said to me in response. And he gets like a hundred likes, and I get some asshole calling me uh, just a libertarian idiot. It's like, what are you yeah, talking yeah. about? Yeah. Uh, but whatever. I'm super happy that Ben Collins has the amount of influence that he has in the culture. That's fine with me, obviously. Anyway, yes. uh, this is not about that. Sorry, Abe, go ahead. <laughs> no. Looks like you wanted to say something. You know, uh, I uh, have a bad memory, but were you the one that recommended uh, to read that uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death, that book? Yes, Neil Postman, Amusing Ourselves to what Death. What a great recommend. Uh, if anyone uh, listening has not read it, it Tremendous book, right? Great, great book. And in it, like, you know, there, there are parts of it where, I mean— this is like from 40 years ago, so the focus is uh, the, the, the damage television is doing, right? So, But you can apply all of that toward where we are now. Like you can literally just – It's applicability. I was blown away. Right. Like it, sentence after sentence, I was I was like, how was this what? not written yesterday? It's crazy. It's amazing. And, and, and yeah. one of the points that uh, that was raised was basically like the, the, the – whatever you're on, like the – Television of the medium basically demands certain things, and and like social media seems to demand just a total lack of nuance, and 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 so this person is behaving as expected on this platform because nothing else will work, right? And so this person has been on Twitter for all this time, and they've kind of they've kind of developed this persona, and it's the alarmist on, only on certain things, right? And so that's their beat. Like, they're not going to focus on anything else. Right. Everything else is fine. Right. But anything to do with this yes. is the apocalypse. Right. <laughs> right? right? And, and by the way, yeah. if I can find a way to make anything else about my thing, yeah, then, I, then it will be the apocalypse. Exactly. And, and what's, <laughs> what's worse is that they get, I mean, besides your uh, occasional uh, 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 shitting on him, get a lot of positive feedback from the people who believe in that too, right? So there's like an audience out there that's kind right. of... Right, sins- and that's the thing. They have no sense of, of personal irony or, or like it... 
I, I do some light ribbing of this guy, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, won't you think of the dead children yeah. killed by Nazis? Right. Like, what? Right. What? <laughs> right. Which is, by the way, a, a, a very obvious manipulative tactic that's being used very often with, like, online people. Like, I wonder right. if they realize that it's not very effective. Nobody, you're not going to cow somebody in, into silence with just going to the worst thing about there's this, there's this, uh, there's this woman. She's a fixture, or was a fixture on MSNBC a couple of years ago. Her name is Rachel Bittacofer. She's a political scientist. She studied at the University of Virginia, or no, she studied at the University of Georgia. She uh, had some success uh, working with the Lincoln Project, I believe. She's uh, an extremely annoying Twitter presence. She uh, developed in. The, her claim to fame, at least that she says, is that she developed a model of negative partisanship that correctly predicted more accurately the 2016 and the 2018 elections than most other models. And she used to go online and fight with Nate Cohn and Nate Silver about how she was actually smarter and better than them. And that was how she sort of rose to prominence on the website. And then she made appearances on MSNBC. She now spends seemingly hours a day talking about how Republicans are going to be the death of our country. And like, yeah, maybe, uh, I guess it's plausible. But she's consistently using the rhetoric of the Nazis to do it. And so she did it again this past week where she just she, – she calls DeSantis a Nazi in some context that I can't even remember. And like I don't have any fucking love for Ron DeSantis whatsoever. I'm just not convinced that uh, calling him a Nazi is right. the most effective way of promoting your uh, political beliefs. And so I did a Twitter advanced search for Rachel Bittacofer Nazi, right? So all of her tweets – where she used Nazi, and I just linked to that page, and underneath her tweet, I was just like, do you think this is helping? Right. Uh, because it's like, it's hundreds of tweets over the last few years of her just talking about how Republicans are Nazis. Right. And like, there are ones where it's like sort of plausible, like, oh, Charlottesville, okay, you sort of see that. There's a little neo-Nazi yeah, shit yeah, going on yeah. there. And then there's ones where it's like, Mike Pence is a Nazi. <laughs> uh, like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm not sure that this is having the impact that you want it to have right anyway yeah but i mean that that that's true uh like but again it's to a audience that this is communicated to you're you're not it obviously i'm not it to her credit she didn't block me or anything so i guess i need to continue poking her until she <laughs> Although, finally fucking blocks me i will say and i could be wrong on this for uh, i don't do a lot of interacting online i don't know it was many years ago that i just stopped because one thing i realized is you know my question is like okay if somebody is like this person, if I was trying to like raise awareness, like, hey, have you noticed you're kind of like just labeling everybody a Nazi? Like, isn't that a little weird? I, I figured out that people are usually not in a place to accept criticism in that format. They'll just be defensive. So, like, I would just yeah. like not even bother trying to, like, you know, the only way I can see that working is like if I know the person and we talk about it and we find common ground elsewhere to say, hey, I'm not. Being hostile. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I'm just sort of putting my stick and trying to find a soft spot where the actual human is, right? So when I sort of playfully tell Ben Collins, like, yeah, it's kind of funny that you're here telling us not to freak out about AI when you're in the entire rest of your feed is like, we should really be freaking out about this other shit. Uh, And he can't, he can't, he just doesn't have the brain space to be, to be at all self reflective about himself. Anyway, I want to get to this TikTok thing. Uh, Biden wants to ban TikTok. And uh, the Democrats might actually do it. 
and because it's, it's plausibly and it's not just one side. It seems like there's some broad consensus with this. Right. So. That's right. There, there's pl- it's plausibly that this could be a bipartisan thing because there are some uh, arguably some national security concerns here about giving the Chinese government access to 150 million Americans' phones, which is just fucking insane when you say it out loud uh, in that way, that there are 150 million Americans on, walking around with a Chinese spy device in their pocket. Seems bad. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Ben Collins tweeted uh, in response to the Biden administration talking about this uh, potential banning or sa- or forcing the sale of TikTok. He said, the number one way to permanently and irreparably nuke your chances with the Gen Z electorate is to be the party that takes credit for banning TikTok. And remember, they're going to outlive us all. Now, I uh, encourage you listeners to go to the blog uh, brainiron.com and find the one that's entitled not a rare breed because i've written this whole thing up and it 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 fully captures my incredulity and sort of amazement at this tweet and also does some other interesting things in my opinion about trying to figure the world out but uh specifically with regard to this tweet i have concluded that it is while not a rare breed, it is an unusually potent example of its kind, and it is simply one of the dumbest motherfucking things yeah. <laughs> I've ever read. The idea and, – and by the way, this is not him being ironic. Yes. And I, I, I waffled on this a few times thinking like, could this be a weird joke that I'm just not getting? Uh, is he being funny here? Uh, but no, he seems to really believe – or at least this is what he put out into the world, (laughs) that if Joe Biden and the Democrats take credit for banning an app that shows 30-second videos to idiots sitting on the toilet or while they wait for their children to walk out of school or whatever, whatever it is, that the banning of a video-sharing app that, yes, a lot of Americans use, but the banning of a, of a stupid app on our stupid phones would lead to a whole generation of people never voting for you again. As a, That it would effectively, and what you're saying there, effectively, this would end the Democratic Party <laughs> as a functional entity in American politics. If is Even though young people, they don't vote very right. much, right? But if you're going to rack up a zero – with young people <laughs> as the Democratic Party, then you're not going to win any elections going forward. Right. And that is what Ben Collins is seemingly sincerely claiming here, that the banning of TikTok will result in the end of the Democratic Party. Right. I sometimes will do I, – I, it's weird. I, I read the, uh, the, the, the blog. There were screenshots of the tweet. There was a link to the tweet. And despite my uh, – tendency to look at the timestamp anytime somebody does something stupid on twitter or any social media app my first uh, thought is were they drunk you know like is this like a 2 a.m tweet <laughs> or what and if it's not if it's like i i judge harshest when it's like 9 a.m because that's like drinking coffee you should be at your a game this is these are your best tweets if you can't right. cut it in that 9 a.m window then what are you doing right but the way that he presented the information like Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, was known to have said, you know, after the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, we just lost the South for a generation, right? This is basically right. the scope of this 
TikTok ban that what you're saying is that this is Ben in full command of his capacities yeah. as a political analyst. This is, these are your best takes, and it was a, a pr- very bad take on his. I, I was trying to give him all the outs, like maybe it was a knee jerk reaction. He probably was thought, "I'm this is going to be a take everyone's going to have, so let me jump the line and be the first because everybody else is going to rush to it. But this is one of those tweets where it's kind of like that movie, The Happening. Like, it's bad the first time, but the more you watch it, it's, like, even dumber and dumber. Like, you know, like, it just gets dumber the more you think any about it. Any amount of thought, any of, like, right. I, I tried to think about it from every imaginable right. angle, <laughs> and it just continued to get it's dumber just, the more that I thought about right. it. By the way, uh, uh, just logistically speaking, would a, let's say, b- both sides, uh, you know, uh, Come to an agreement about this ban. Uh, you know, there's talk about like trying to sell it to somebody else that may avoid this uh, ban. But let's say they go through the ban. What are we talking about here? Is this like like on government des- devices and whatnot banned, or is it like how are how, what's the actual? No, process? I think they just they want it to not be available in the United States except by somebody who's willing to like download illegal things, presumably. So like, like so it, like the they would they would instruct Apple's. App Store and the Android, all the various different Android marketplaces to right. see. They would make some sort of national security claim on this and say that this can't be on American devices. Okay. Because I don't see that actually happening. Like, I don't know. What what, what would the language be to make to, to – had that ever happened before? How can you – like, is there a website anywhere? Can I, I don't I, know. It would, be, it, would be, it would be a new development, I think. Right, because I can visit, say. like, propaganda websites right i can go to like oh i mean maybe i'll be on, on some list if i went to like some isis website right like there's like a lot of right. freedoms there's a lot of latitude you're given in america right so i don't even understand what the language of the law would be i would imagine it would be like at public libraries and like state-owned and federal you know that kind of thing like, well but if they really want to enforce it you say the federal government will not do business with any of these we, yeah. uh, tech companies that are going to like and apple can't give up the ability to do business with the federal government any more than Google right. can, right? I mean, that's too big a client. And then if you get states doing it too, then it becomes a, you know, it sort of redounds in that way. Further, Collins says in a follow-up tweet, you ban TikTok or force a sale that effectively neuters the algorithm. You open up a political Pandora's box that you cannot contain <laughs> or predict. Like, so if you don't ban it, but you force a sale that makes it less awesome yes. for for people... <laughs> Then you will open a political Pandora's box, which by that it contained unspeakable evils that wrought havoc on the entire world. Is what Pandora's <laughs> box had inside of it. Like, what are you talking yeah, about, well, yeah. man? Uh, you know, everybody is now getting in on the uh, TikTok model, right? Instagram is a lot, doing a lot of this. YouTube Shorts is all of it, right? I mean, it's. it's I don't understand. I, I, I was. I was not on TikTok. I've been on it maybe once, like uh, with my like ne- nephews. And to me, like I don't like that format. I don't like short stuff. I want to like just process the information. I want to read something. I also want to direct my attention in and, and the like. I, this sounds like uh, wrong because of the way that I use Twitter, or the fact that I use Twitter at all. But I want to direct my attention intentionally yeah right and tiktok is the opposite right. of that it's did you like this yes if you don't just fucking flip to the next one right. flip to the next one flip to the next one and you'll find something eventually like the way that i use twitter is i try to follow people who reliably point me to interesting things to find 
outside of Twitter, right? Yes. Like it's, and, and when I find myself just using it as like the refresh button and just following the stupid Twitter drama, that's when I like I try to really force myself to stay away from it for a little right. while, it, right? Because what yeah, what I what I want it for is to point me to actually good and useful things, and TikTok certainly doesn't do that. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but Twitter at its best certainly can. Right. But you know this this model that that that's proven very successful. Other platforms are copying it like i said youtube shorts is like the closest thing where it's basically tiktok but youtube right uh even uh, right and by the way i don't even like that like well, I it's see, terrible I, I, it, it, all the functionality of regular youtube is gone like how is this an improvement right. i don't get it it's made worse but like even netflix is getting in on the game i, I was yesterday just browsing i was trying to find something to watch and they have a like TikTok-ish type thing where all of their, con- you know, like their stand-up specials and other just like whatever will be shown to you in like 30-second cl- uh, clips. And I haven't seen that You yet. just scroll up. It's literally trying to model after that. So the point is to the Ben Collins, is it? Yep. If anything were to happen to TikTok, life will go on. The kids will not hold a grudge against one political party, uh, and they'll just move on to the next app that will do similar things to where they can right. mindlessly You mentioned it in things. a text. How awesome was Vine? Yeah. Vine was fucking right. amazing, right? right? And, then, and you know what? Yeah. It, w- it went away. Right. And uh, it doesn't fucking matter right. at all. <laughs> it, doesn't, it literally right. doesn't matter at right. all. There, except like that, there were some interesting creators on there who made some really funny six-second videos. But like uh, they figured something else out to do. Right. I guess. Right. It's going to be fun. And, and in many ways, I mean, you know, even though it is still a a behemoth of a company and it still hangs around, uh, Facebook to a lot of people who were using it extensively is no longer that to them, right? I mean, other people use it right. for different things, but it's it was it used to be just a part of your daily process that you would go through Facebook, and most people that's like a right. for now. I just use it to laugh at my stupid neighbors right. when they post stupid <laughs> shit in yes. the neighborhood group. Like it's literally right. the I, the only notifications that I ever click on from fa- that aren't just like an auto swipe away. Right. Like absolutely not. I love my aunt. You're not gonna get me to click on a notification that says that my aunt posted an update. Zero percent chance. We're we're not doing that anymore. That's not how I use this thing. But if it's like uh, this neighbor who usually says wild shit just posted in the neighborhood Facebook group, then I'll click on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but so to tie it back into the to the social contagion thing just a little bit, yeah. uh, at least in terms of. What a certain class of people, and uh, in my, my definition, my, my name for it in the piece on the website is the NPR class. Yes. But, but what, a, what a certain group of people think about the rabble, right? What, what they think about the rubes, the, the rest of us effectively. Right. Uh, not, not to disclaim myself necessarily from uh, what I would call the NPR class because in certain ways I think that I, that, that would be – that would be foolish of me too. But how can you understand what Ben Collins is saying here, if what he's saying he actually believes, without factoring in how stupid he thinks Gen Z is? Yes. Right? Like it, you have to, in order for a whole generation to unite around the destruction of a political party that they would agree with uh, something like 60% of the time, right? So like, because the, the Democrat 
demographics uh, point towards uh, a more youthful uh, group usually, right. right? So the majority of Gen Z at this point, we would probably associate more with the Democrats than we would the Republicans. But Ben Collins believes further that they're so damaged right. and so stupid that they would forego all ideological or moral or or other political concerns just because the assholes in the Democratic Party decided that they weren't allowed to play with their favorite fucking thumb game <laughs> on, on the phones anymore. How infantile and idiotic and grudge-holding and what stupid little animals he must believe people who aren't him are. Right. Right? right, it's the only rational explanation. Right. Is that he just fucking dis- maybe he doesn't despise them, but he thinks of them as just complete fucking morons right. who could be manipulated in right. such he, a way. He he must have, being generous, a very low opinion of that generation. What's what's interesting is that he tried to liken it to something that you know, like maybe the millennials could uh, appreciate. Where he said. This would be like MTV canceling MTV times ten thousand. Like nobody would give a fuck if you did anything to MTV. What are you talking about? You if MTV had gone away because Tipper Gore and George H. W. Bush like came together in a moment of cross partisan like whatever, and like like the the, the mother's research or the family research council or whatever yeah. like succeeded yeah. and like D. Snyder in an alternate history where D. Snyder and Frank Zappa don't give their moving testimony right. before Congress, right. and instead they ban music television from cable systems it wouldn't fucking matter would, yeah a couple of years later there'd be the box right. or whatever the fuck that thing was right. and we'd be back to normal right. like nobody would fucking care what are you talking I about i mean even when actually something did happen like remember when the like the like the tit popped out at the super bowl with uh, janet jackson and they, they're like okay no more young acts like we'll just do old geezers for a while keep it safe like that ratings didn't go anywhere people just were like ah, whatever i'll listen to, to prince then like it doesn't like people are just like I'll just go with whatever you, you're telling me. Like it doesn't matter, and and for him to think it does, it's 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 a bit odd. And what does it say about our entire system of government if his hypothesis is correct? Right. Like, how could we go on for even one more day in a situation where our entire system of government hinges on whether or not the people get their video sharing app delivered to them uh, without interference from one political party or another? Right. That if 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 people were so easily manipulated and and so easily turned off from all other considerations. Then the, 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 the experiment would be over. Right. And maybe it is right. over for all I uh, fucking know. Maybe Ben Collins is right. No. Uh, maybe people really are that stupid, Th- though. I have my doubts. Things are mostly fine. Uh, the, the one question I would like to, to have answered is, you know, so, so Trump tried to make a go of it to try to ban it a couple of years ago. Now the Biden White House seems to be uh, on the same page. You have people on both sides pushing the same thing. Uh, is there information that's not shared with the public out there about TikTok that would change a calculation? Because right now I'm thinking, OK, yeah, I can see the argument that, you know, this company by dance, they're connected to the Chinese government. And if they want information, they can get it from the company. There's no disconnect. But wouldn't there have to be more than just that? Because, I mean, what information are they getting from TikTok that is so threatening to national security like uh, there's something that's missing in the equation like i kind of get the problem but i don't know why it's such a big problem 
Yeah, I don't know. The Chinese, I think it's just, it's one thing for the NSA to know everything that's going on on your phone, and it's another thing for the Chinese government to. Uh, right, but the, 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 what's, what's interesting is, you know, like Apple, one of their big pushes the last few years has been privacy, right? You know, like Google and Facebook's, uh, well, Facebook in particular has struggled, or at least they're blaming the privacy protections of iPhones with their lack of ability to kind of target the user with the right ads right. or whatever, right? Right. I also, I also think it's worth pointing out in that same vein yeah. that the promise of all of this data gathering in terms of like what it's going to deliver both to – in terms of uh, uh, companies, uh, it having any utility for them in terms of making money and also on the, on the consumer end yeah. in terms of making our lives uh, markedly better by direct advertising and, and various other ways when we send over all of this data uh, is supposed to make our lives better in meaningful ways. Like I don't, I, I don't think we've seen it yet. So maybe the concern is just TikTok has all of this data. It's not clear yet uh, how exactly it can be utilized right. in, conf- in in ways that could be socially deranging or politically deranging, and and we're worried that it might someday. Right. Again, that's a promise that I don't think has been fulfilled on either side, right. either on the sort of dystopic end of things in terms of uh, the, the concerns about privacy, nor on the sort of promise, the thing that we're supposed to be getting for all of the, the shit that we're giving right. up. And, and, and for all we know, just like most social media apps, no matter how big they are, they don't have the staying power because by the time the Calvins of the world become like high school age. It'll be another app. Like TikTok will not be cool in six years, right? It won't be cool in six months. Yeah. So it's like- the fact that the fact that 150 million people are on yeah. it, and like you as a 40 year old man, were sitting there with your nephews dicking around on it for a few minutes, yeah. means that it won't be cool in 15 fucking minutes, right. Right? right? The fact that as soon as the olds take over, that's the end right. of it, and there will be something else, and we're just too uh, collectively too sort of blind to know what the next cool thing is. Anyway, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com to find the show, a show note, and of course the blog that I've been maybe not keeping up with as quite as voluminously as I had hoped to, but I've gotten out three or four posts a week since I made my claim that I was restarting the blog, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, that that still counts. And there are some some good posts post there this week, including, of course, the Ben Collins thing. I did some complaining about what I found in my flower bed this weekend with the delivery of the New York Times and also a lengthy piece about the goings-on at Wellesley College. And your boy Jamel Bowie's uh, uh, week column. Yeah, what a shitty column from (laughs) Jamel. Uh, Again. He's usually... It's you have to crank out a, a fixed number, right? Maybe you just run out of steam. You know, he's like at the Whole Foods in Charlottesville or wherever the fuck he lives, and he's like, I got nothing. Go to ChatGPT, yeah. talk it up, publish. Check that out, brainiron.com. Good stuff there. Uh, opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I did. I went to two movies uh, last week. Uh, one was Ooh. a probably never heard of. Uh, Actually, I want to know what the count uh, of because this has been a trend in 2023. The movie's called Inside. That's it, Inside. Right? There's been like six or seven movies where it's just one word, plain, and Marlowe and 
Megan. Right. And so I have heard all I know about Inside is that it is not the Bo Burnham no. thing from <laughs> a year ago. Because no. that's I saw it. I saw Inside pop up in my Google News feed or maybe somewhere on Twitter. I did not pursue it any further except to discover that they were not in that there is some movie and it is not the Bo Burnham. Yeah. Thing. So this is uh, oh, it's with Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. That's why I know yeah. about it. I said it before you said it, so I win. It was Willem <laughs> Dafoe, and it's like this weird thing where he's locked in a in a room and he's not allowed to leave. Yes, I don't know if he like snuck in there or something and then couldn't get back out. Uh, but the reason that it's in my head is because he was in the New York Times. I think it was the T Magazine, the the fashion thing that they put out once a quarter. Yeah. That uh, makes my newspaper heavier once every three months, and. It's a worthless magazine. It's, they do like one photo shoot and then there's like 90% of it is just stupid ads. I have no idea whatsoever how the economics of that continue to work out. It makes zero sense to me whatsoever. Uh, but uh, it's stuck in my craw because Willem Dafoe was dressed in some shirt, some Armani shirt that they had. Because they, they, when they, they dress these people and then in the captions for the photos, they put how much the fucking clothes cost. Yeah. And like sometimes it's like, oh, this was done by so-and-so. Please call for pricing. The call for pricing? What the <laughs> fuck is this? You don't want me to buy this shirt if I have to call for pricing. That's not how this works. But there was this Armani shirt and it was listed at like $3,300 for a, wow. a T-shirt. It's like, okay, I can sort of understand people who pay $300 for a yeah. t-shirt it's ridiculous but Re yeah absurd yeah. to pay 300 dollars yeah. for a t-shirt t-shirts right. should be free for winning second place <laughs> in right. a cornhole tournament at a local brewery <laughs> or perhaps uh you went running and you finished the race yes. and you paid 40 dollars for the entrance fee yeah. and to get the medal at the yeah. end and they give you a shirt as well that's how to get yes. t-shirts you don't that's pay right. 300 dollars for a t-shirt <laughs> But further, you certainly don't spend $3,300 on a fucking T-shirt from Armani. What the fuck? Anyway, that's my connection now, to Inside, which is that Willem Dafoe got the uh, centerfold treatment in some fashion spread and an interview to go along with it. Interesting guy. So, Weird guy, uh, but interesting yeah, guy. This is, uh, I guess, an Inside Scoop. So uh, they... Are dressed so? I mean, I, I know a little about fashion. So, like, they, do these people, these actors, musicians, they just show up and they just they put clothes on yes, them? Yes, so this they have is, no say this is in what... inside information that only I <laughs> <laughs> that only I have access and knowledge about. This is the secret Look. knowledge that I bring as a former fucking pizza delivery boy to this podcast. Is that All celebrities is, don't show up in their own clothes <laughs> and then wear them at fashion shoots? I'm on the outside of whatever inside you're in. Like right. I, I did not know. I guess I didn't put thought into it. Anyway, that makes sense now that I think about it. How else would it work? Like you, you wouldn't show up with a, you know, like a brewery right. T-shirt. I assume and take a that nobody actually pays three thousand dollars for a fucking shirt that they would wear. That that right. they like, even the people with that sort of money, like. You walk in there and you don't actually pay sticker price for the right. fucking insane shirt that this is like 
this is supposed to be an exclusive club that only wildly right. wealthy people are in, but even they are not paying $3,300 right. for a fucking shirt. Like, that is Im- – it's They're- so completely implausible to me. And also, if it right. is true that you can walk in and spend fucking ten dollars or $12,000 on an outfit – that like right. like just a normal walking around yeah. outfit, right? right? Like just like right. that it largely indistinguishable from a hundred dollar yes. outfit. Instead, it's yes. a ten thousand dollar outfit between the jeans and the boots and the t shirt. That's just such a disgusting obscenity to me that I, I my brain refuses to acknowledge that it's actually possible. Right. Uh, on the uh, on the movie front, uh, that's so right. We're talking y- about a are... movie. How was the movie? <laughs> You are uh, 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 on the right track. So the the, the story is about a, an art thief, Willem Dafoe. He's like the only one that's in the movie, the whole movie. Nice. Like you can hear other voices, uh, but he's the only one really there. By the way, there. checks out. Good so, casting. I believe that Willem Dafoe could be an art thief just based on oh, yeah. no, looking no, at him. He fit the bill. So an art thief, he's doing a stealing art from this Nice place, you know. They he 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 cased the joint. He has somebody on the outside that's feeding him information, who's giving him the lock, uh, the passwords, all that stuff. So this is supposed to be like a smooth thing. He knows exactly what things to steal, like what pieces of art in this home are worth what. He's going through his uh, list, and something happens, a malfunction, and he's locked in. Like now, he cased a joint, and the owner's gone to a fucking vacation for months, right? And something happened to where it locked them in, but it didn't alert the authorities. So, like, no one knows anything's going on. So he eats all the food. Uh, and, you know, these new fucking places, everything's electronic and things turn off. So, like, the water stops coming. You know, like, you know, it's one of those very new places where the technology turns against you if something goes right. south. You know, it's not like you can... Uh, turn something on anyways the whole movie is just him trying to survive this he eventually does not survive it because no one ever came like he just died in there he starts drawing something the or whatever tom hanks in uh, the castaway movie sort of treatment where he like wastes away as we go he wastes away but like he's actually like a artist himself so like he starts painting like in his fucking delusional whatever like he's like out right, of he's food like losing and his he, mind, yeah. yeah he's losing his mind and eventually he dies or whatever anyways spoiler pleasant enough movie the second movie, wait, 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 Shazam wait. Do 2. We like, do we like Inside? Is it, is it... Yes, okay. great so movie. So we'll check it out when it comes great. to streaming. A solid movie. Excellent. On the other side uh, uh, By of... the way, uh, quickly, before we move on to the DC yeah. pile of shit that you're going to tell me about here, yeah. another Art Thief movie worth watching, Seeking Out, I don't know where it's streaming, The Thomas Crown Affair, the remake with uh, Pierce Brosnan oh. and Rene Russo. Fucking awesome movie. Yeah, that's... Go. It's been a while since I watched it, but I do remember that being good. Uh, Inside... I don't know why. I feel like it's going to go to Showtime, and I'm not going to be able to watch it. Just the the description of the movie, the name of the movie (laughs) has a vibe that says this one's going to Showtime, and you won't get to watch it. And then it will go to fucking Paramount Plus, and you definitely won't get to watch it. (laughs) So when I say I will look forward to seeing it on streaming, for some reason, I just have this weird feeling. I have no knowledge or understanding of the different studio relationships here or if this has already been sold to anybody. This one feels like a Showtime movie. I think I think you may be right. What is that? Uh, why why yeah. can we tell? How do we know? What is that? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Anyway, all right. So tell me about uh, uh, Shazam Two. So Shaz- I, I think I'm up to you know uh, I'm gonna easily hit seventy movies this year. You know I'm like 
uh, well on pace to hit like 75, but 70 was a goal. Uh, I'm like 18 movies in uh, in March. Uh, and oh, good. <laughs> this is so far. All of the movies. All of the movies, but this is comfortably the worst movie of this early slate of movies. Wow. It is so bad. Now, I have my metric. I knew this was going to bomb in the theaters, uh, in the box office, and it did. Like, it barely did 30 million. I don't know million. what you're talking about, Abe. The number one movie in America. <laughs> it, 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 it crashed and burned. It's going to do a lot worse next week. Uh, my theater, this is Friday. Uh, I know this is an indictment on me. I'm watching Shazam on Friday uh, afternoon. But the theater was like 20 people full, maybe. Like, it was embarrassingly empty yeah. for a that first, first so i never saw movie. the first shazam movie my vague memory of it was that it was surprisingly well received yes shazam one worked and it and basically it, it stars kurt warner as shazam right? right like he is the guy playing the shazam character the problem the whole movie was this dog shit the whole movie right you have uh, lucy Liu just hamming it up uh helen mirren Hamming it up. Everybody this is just, quite a cast. Helen yeah, Mirren's but great. Dog shit script. The story is stupid. Everything about it is stupid. So but if you're what, if you're Helen Mirren, right, a yeah. widely respected actress, right, one yes. of the finest actresses of her generation, a very good actress. I won't say gross things about Helen Mirren in any in any sort of way that would uh, make me seem like a gross person. You uh, already have. I have not. I don't, I'm saying I'm not going to say anything. Nor do I have any impure thoughts about like I, you're disgusting. Whatever you're thinking, that's disgusting. That's oh, that's the queen you're talking about. All I'm saying here, uh, Helen Mirren is great. Do we think so? If if she reads this script. Yes. Is do her and her agent just say, well, but they're all stupid, so it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I, all I, I of think... all of the superhero movies yes. are fucking stupid. I... So, like, why be picky with the one where these people were like, hey, we wrote this for Helen Mirren. Why don't we get Helen Mirren to play this? Uh, is that her thinking? Like, I just I'll be in this movie and it will be easy, and I'll work for twenty two days and get paid my three and a half million dollars or whatever it is, and be done with it. I, it would have to be. I mean, this has got to be like the argument has to be this is a paycheck and then you can live in, in whatever in France or in California or whatever. Continue to live a great life. Do, you know, very, you know, 20 days or whatever. Get in and get out. Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer. There's a lot of people that were around a long time right. ago that are in these dog shed movies, you know, these uh, cartoon movies. And that's got to be it, right? Like they're probably telling each other like, holy shit, all this money. For some garbage roles, like whatever. Anyways, the worst part of this Shazam movie, right? So the whole movie, nonsense, 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 right? Lucy Liu is like turns evil, like, uh, and uh, there's a big uh, show uh, at the end where they fight, and the Kurt Warner's Shazam is like, I'm gonna sacrifice myself for the team. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get into battle with this her and some dragon or some shit. And basically, like, I'm going to take her down, but I'm going to go down with her. Like, he kind of anticipates that I don't have enough power to, like, survive this. And so he's like, all right. He does his goodbye to his friends and family. Like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Have a little cry fest. He does the right thing. He takes her down. He goes down with her. Cut to, like, a funeral or whatever. Like, just like, like, hey, everybody's gathered around. And there's a plot of land where, like, that's where the Kurt Warner guy's laying. Like, he's dead. Uh, and everybody's like, oh, pity. Oh, I can't believe that fucker died. And then, just out of the blue, uh, like the Wonder Woman theme plays. 
you know, that, that stupid Wonder Woman right. theme comes, and the Wonder Woman lady shows way, up. Uh, out of the entire DC extended universe. Maybe the only identifiable piece of music that is like that yeah, I guess calls that is up true. anything yeah. for me. Right. right. So you said it's stupid, but it was actually a very effective piece of music, that, no, that the, Wonder Woman thing. The music was great. The reveal is whatever. But like what pissed me off, you know, the, the, the one criti- – I have many criticisms with these DC <laughs> and Marvel movies. Right. Uh, but one of them is that there are – especially during this multiverse era that we're in, there are zero stakes. Like nothing matters. Right. This has been, nobody does. This has been my complaint for years, right. uh, including no, yeah. one, of the, one of the first items ever posted to BrainIron.com is the absolute – dog shit stakes involved right. in any of these fucking things. And so after watching like 90 minutes, 100 minutes of dog shit, I was like, at least this movie is going to end with some stakes. At least this fucking character is dead, and I don't know right. what they're going to do with it. You know, this movie wasn't going to do well, so this sh- this could have been the end. Everybody would have right, been That's happy. what they should do. Now that it's yeah. bombed, they should go yeah. back and and <laughs> and keep the ending where he's just dead. And it, and it works out, because there's no reason to make Shazam 3 now. Whatever bullshit but, they pulled off to resurrect him with Wonder Woman. Right, but the, she literally shows up. Everybody's like, "Oh shit, there's Wonder Woman!" And she presses a button, and the fucking Kurt Warner guy, like Undertaker style, pierces through the sand, and he comes to. He's like, "Oh, what the fuck? I'm back." The end. Happy ever after. I was like, "What?" It, I, I was just sitting there. I, I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, you can't even do this. Like, you can't." Do the simple thing and just let a character die. And they have to be doing some sort of IP protection thing, right? Like, this is a known quantity. We may need him for, like, some sort of thing in a future thing. Except that the lack of stakes, like, they should be able to play into the fact that they can just pretend it's in a different universe. Right. In a, a, some parallel bullshit uh, everything everywhere kind of thing we're like okay well, it's just a new bubble and we have right. a new bubble and it's fine yeah. and we have the, the, the he didn't actually die in this bubble so he's back and it's fine right like you have that ability to do that why not incorporate that into these stories and tell interesting other stories where fucking superman dies or superman is evil or something yeah. along those something, lines something anything yeah. just absolute Dog shit. Hopefully, all early signs are pointing to looking ahead. Uh, after a pretty mediocre John Wick 3, all the reviews coming in with, for John Wick 4 is that this is the best of the bunch of the oh, wow. John Wicks. Like, it is, like, supposed to be really good. And that's John when I'm going to watch this upcoming I, I maintain week. John Wick 1 is, like, one of my favorite movies of the last couple of decades, probably. Oh, it was awesome, yeah. As but far as action like movies go. Did you I didn't like watch, three? I didn't, wa- I didn't okay. get there yet. Because three kind of was pretty weak. I put but John Wick was up there with, uh, with Mad Max Fury Road on my list of like just yeah. the most awesome straight action movies of the last 15 or 20 years. No, I agree, yeah. But apparently this is better than that. I don't think it will be, but at least it will be better than John Wick 3. But anything right, – is, is that this week? Is that, is that yeah, what you'll see? Yeah, this upcoming uh, week, yeah. All right, think, good. Yeah. You, can tell, yeah. you can tell me about it next week when I've got fucking COVID and I'm sitting here all miserable and shit. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What did I watch? Like I said, Lori's been gone all week, which has been a bummer. But you know, we're also lucky to have this as an option to, to isolate and hopefully not get the virus ourselves. I just watched a, a bunch of World Baseball Classic stuff and also some basketball and I watched one episode of a show on Amazon Prime 
from Donald Glover called Swarm. Have you seen this advertised no. at all? Is it recent uh, release? As far as I know, it's like brand new. Uh, I don't okay. know. I didn't know anything about it. I just saw that it existed when I was flipping around and that it was Donald Glover. And I decided to watch the first episode because it was only like 30 or 40 minutes long, which is a good length of time to involve oneself with a television show, in my opinion. Is it like a one one episode a week kind of thing? or I don't know. I don't even know if the this is how much I... <laughs> I invested myself in this TV show was I just clicked play and then I watched it and then I turned the television off when it was over. And that is, that is my full exposure to it's it's it was so liberating and freeing. Yeah. It's like maybe maybe I'll go back into the app and I'll watch another episode someday. I don't know even if it is episodic in nature because uh, not to spoil anything, but in the first episode, We've already killed off two of our seemingly main characters and also had our other main character be a murderer. I'm not going to oh. specify in what direction any of that happens so as not to further spoil anything. Uh, but it's Donald Glover, so it's sort of interesting and bizarre in the way that the things that he does are that way. It's not really made for me, I think it's safe to say. As a 40-year-old white guy. But maybe it's not safe to say that. Glover's an interesting guy. But uh, it's about uh, 20-something-year-old black girls who are sisters who are obsessed or in their youth were obsessed with a pop star and uh, interacted with the fandom online in what was called the swarm in much in much the same way that you would think of like the beehive or right. or being a swifty or something along those lines right. i'm not sure if this is episodic and that it will tell different stories about different people all related to this swarm thing or if in fact it will stick with the main character as introduced uh, but it was good it was a it was a fun and and compelling half an hour 40 minutes of television or whatever so so real real quick uh i did watch uh a movie at home uh the boston strangler it had like uh kara knightley and uh carrie coon from like the leftovers uh the movie is fine uh you know it's just a movie it's just like from the reporter's perspective you know but what i didn't know and i I, maybe i still don't know it uh but it, it was like based on a true story was that there was a boston strangler right who was yeah. going around strangling women to death, right, uh, and then getting away with it for a while. And then it made the papers, and the cops were incompetent, and they couldn't catch them, and the body count kept going up and up and up. And what it turned, what they said at the end, you know, at the end of the movie, they'll say blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but the impression that they left was that others who wanted to kill women in their lives just modeled their killing after the Boston Strangler who would put like some sort of like decorative thing around their neck or do certain things, which is laid out in the newspaper. And then whenever the police came to, they would just say, oh, another one of these Boston Strangler killings, right? And they're thinking that it's likely that some of the people that were associated with a Boston Strangler were actually just random people that were killed because their husbands wanted them dead. Jesus Christ. For whatever reason. That was... The impressions that were left, and it reminded me of the DC sniper case. Remember how the DC? It, how is it that we get to this ending ten minutes of the show, and you only now bring up social contagion in this way? <laughs> We've been talking about goddamn but- social contagion all goddamn night, and you watched this this week. 
<laughs> I know. My brain doesn't work uh, in the right way all the time. But yeah. what it reminded me of was the DC sniper case where this was deliberate. Like the guy that John, whatever, Muhammad guy, wanted to just kill a bunch of people to mask his true target, his ex-wife. So, like, he was killing people at gas stations over and over and over and over again, and then he was going to set it up to where he would get his wife, and then they would say another victim of the this crazy I don't sniper. think I knew that. Or if yeah, I so had heard that, it has it had escaped my, my permanent memory of that event. Is that true, that he that was, was trying – he was I, ultimately to f- trying to kill his old lady? Yeah, the, the the plan was to kill his wife, but he he needed to mask it because if he he if was, he was doing one, this with his son, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he was like a not like a blood son. Like he, I think it just took him. Out. I don't think they were actually related. Okay, it was so it was not his actual son. Okay, no, but basically he was he was uh, separated and he was kind of like whatever. He harbored some resentment and he wanted her dead and he concocted this whole thing. So all the people that died, like the wife is still alive, the ex-wife. But right. all the people that died were just supposed to mask his true plan. I think I'll, I'll fi- figure out what the name yeah, of the— Yeah, make sure you send that to me so I can stick it in the show notes. Because I, in my head, that's just uh, one of the Islamic terrorism right. spree No, this was like, some sort of scheme that he had. Uh, and and I just thought of that. I was like, wow, I can't people use like a broader thing to like get their like personal vendetta out of the way. Like, what kind of thought process is that? You're reading something. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, I know. Right. This is an opportunity for me to do the thing. It's fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's too bad Lori's not here because she lived through that whole thing. She was uh, she was in the area when the yeah when that Lori missed was... the shirtless guy talk and the DC sniper talk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. If I had to guess, it was one of those, like, retrospective uh, uh, podcasts where they kind of went into it and they were interviewing people. But I think there was an article associated with it. I'll see if I can find it. That must have come out years later or something. Because I definitely don't remember any of that at all. Yeah, last I remember, basically once they got him, they were surprised. Like, oh, it's n- it's not like some like some white dude or some sort of like foreign terrorist. Is this some, some black guy? I mean, he had like a Muslim name or whatever. But like, was this some dude with his kid? Oh man, Japan wins six to five. The big comeback. What? What was it? Th- what? What was the update you gave it earlier? Was, it was three nothing in the seventh, and then I guess we got a fucking ball game that we wow. missed out on. I'll have to watch that tomorrow. Or at least wow. the highlights. It's hard to, even as a fucking tremendous baseball fan that I am, when I have the option of just waking up in the morning and turning on the 15-minute game highlights package yeah. Yeah. R- rather than watching the entire baseball game, yeah. it's really hard to it's, not I mean, just watch the highlights package. Although, you know, I uh, the, the day after, you know, that 1 versus 16 game, I watched the whole game the next day. And I didn't watch it when it was happening. I just saw the, the score. Right. And so I'll do that on rare occasion, but usually I will, like YouTube will have like a nine minute thing if it's a basketball thing or 15 minutes. Those things work. Yeah. I don't know that I could ever commit to watching a basketball game that I knew the outcome of. Oh, it's great. Well, actually, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, you know, this is mostly because I'm like drinking, but like for, for many years, like I'll watch like the Georgia games and it's like on Saturday and I'm like, sloshed a little bit and i kind of get the gist but then i want to believe me i i remember (laughs) and then the next day i'll watch it in you know 
just because you'll remember obviously you'll remember more uh, and so i'll watch it that way uh but yeah it's good to e- even knowing the score like th- they don't know that you know the score right the people you're watching don't know it that still it still works uh did you see kevin harlan's call of the end of the virginia game oh is, is there a video of it where yeah hang on Van Gundy looks like he just seen an actual murder. Like, like am I supposed to call the police? It seems to way, be Stan Van Gundy's face. I can't tell if it's just mere enthusiasm or also the hand thing. Is it also like let the moment kind of breathe? Also, like don't don't step into the. I it sure tell looks if, like he's telling Van Gundy to shut the fuck up. Yeah, there. yeah like, don't, like oh my god, I can't. Like, just let the moment kind of breathe for a second, which is yeah. pretty smart. On he's great. Kevin Harlan is, yeah, is excellent great. at his job. Anyway, all right. Good night. Good night.